2: Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, November the 19th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Mr. Steve Say. We're back. Mr. Bob Ryer.
3: Ain't that the truth.
2: And on the line with Ms. Mara Wood. Hello. Mara, thank you so much for for jumping in and, and talking with us today.
4: Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, so Stephanie, if you guys aren't, aren't looking on Twitter, she uh, ran into some severe internet issues. Uh, Was she talking
3: about Fantastic Four again? Yes,
2: <laughs> her Canadian internet uh, crapped out on her, and uh, it, with only a few hours' notice, Mara uh, joined in with us, which is awesome. So yeah. we filled the fourth chair, and we're going to have an awesome, awesome show. We're going to be catching up on obviously all the books that we that we missed. Um, some Bob has another huge lightning round, <laughs> um, and uh, we are also going to be talking about some of the news that we missed, including um the DC convergence. Uh, event that was announced, and also um, uh, Blogger Doom, so we'll be talking about uh, both those things in in a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So thank you guys who have ever been listening to the last two weeks of shows. We obviously pre-recorded those shows, the Listener Question Show and the Hellboy Book Club, uh, both of which we had a lot of fun doing. Um, I was on my honeymoon for those two weeks, Mm -hmm. so... uh, Did you have a good time? I had a great time. It was awesome. Um, It's really funny because... I brought a bunch of comics with me uh, uh, to, to read uh, when like we had spare time and we did have some spare time to, to do stuff and to kind of just chill out. But I, I quickly realized that I, I also needed like it, reading them didn't feel like a vacation to me. It felt like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> yeah. all the time. I'm just going to, I'm just at work. You know, that's what it felt like to me at times. So I didn't really read any comics when I was, when I was gone. I, uh, I did go to, uh, isotope comics in San Francisco. I saw you found that. Yeah. On a recommendation by a listener, sent me a, send me a tweet. And it was it was great. It was it's a it's a really cool shop. It it has a really neat section where it's kind of dedicated all to like the like mini comics, like the almost like the ones you only you only see at the cons at stuff. and stall. Yeah, designs and stuff. Yeah, the designs and stuff like they had a whole floor. I oh, mean, neat. it was it was a small. It was like a little lounge, but it was just w- wall, walls of like a wall of those comics and like bins of those comics. You could just look through, That's read cool. them there if you wanted to, or or buy them. And then there was uh, one of the cool things about the store was. He had. Uh, they have all these toilet seats Lying the walls, <laughs> and they're all drawn on by famous, famous comic <laughs> book artists. So there's one done by Brian Lee O'Malley, like Scott Pilgrim. Uh-huh. There's Amanda Connor one. Yeah. There's there's what the funny one? It's like a like a blob stick figure, and it's signed by Brian Michael Bendis, and uh, <laughs> you know, the kind of who's who of comic book artists are are all signed to these toilet <laughs> seats that like line their walls. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so what's the approach for that? I don't know. Would you mind doing something for the shop? Like, yeah. Oh,
0: sure, no problem. What is it? And, like handing them a toilet seat? <laughs>
2: Sign this toilet seat for me. Yeah. But it was uh, it was really cool. It was a really cool shop. I, I bought some stuff from like obscure stuff. He, he was very good. The owner was very good at pimping stuff. You know, he, we I was checking out. He's like, you should really try this book and, and this book. Oh, you like Paul Pope? You should go get this. <laughs> uh, and so I ended up walking out of there with with a good amount of uh, money and books. But it was a really cool store, really interesting store. Um, you know, had all the new releases, but also had a really nice, um, kind of indie section and a really nice, uh, trade back section. So really, really cool. And, uh, that was really fun. Uh, I went to Alcatraz, which was really? awesome. Yeah. I never, uh, yeah. The rock. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, just like if, if you're at all like a history nerd at all, it's very, very interesting to walk through there and hear all the stories about what went on there. And the escape attempt stuff is, is incredibly interesting to me you know all of that Mom. you know dealing with how the several escape attempts the one that obviously the Clint Swift movie mm-hmm. is based on that they don't know whether what happened to the people who who got out um the the prevailing theory is they drowned but no, no bodies were ever found mm-hmm. so no one can be sure shark bait yeah no there are and it's true they, they <laughs> drown our sharks cuz there're sharks in that in in yeah. the bay there so that was really neat. I walked through a real submarine, which was very, very cool. Oh, that's that's cool.
3: The, the Navy Yard's are here.
2: Yeah, it, that was really, really neat. Um, you went to Fisherman's Wharf, right? Yeah, that was it. Was on oh, Fisherman's yeah. Wharf. You yeah. got to do that. Yeah, Uh love that place. It was actually like right next to that old Coin Op arcade. Yep. That uh, we you had you had tw- I think you had tweeted us about it, or you had you texted Karen about. It. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, well, definitely look for that. And it, we totally found it by accident, though. Nice. We got off. That's how I found it. Too. We got out of a taxi. Um, and walked out, and I was like, "Oh, there's this, there's this coin op arcade." So we we got like twenty dollars in change, and just walked around. Yep. And it's part like, "Oh, this is awesome!" In part, you feel like you're at the beginning of a horror movie because <laughs> all of the old there's there's one called the opium den that you put money into, <laughs> wow. and it was like like a, like a Chinese man smoking an opium pipe and like these. Almost like zombie looking people like sitting up, like looking at him while he's smoking opium. It was very, very strange. So, I mean, you know, this could only exist in the time it was made. Never again. Sounds amazing. There was one called Laughing Sal that literally was just a giant, like, you know, figure. It looked like a kind of like it's almost like a scary hobo clown. <laughs> oh, when, when, you, great. when you put money into it, it just laughs. That's all it does. All this is look at you And wow. laugh In a really really creepy way Yep So And that's and not a fortune teller it's Gotta just, have
3: a Zoltan Or whatever yeah. It was from Big Yeah Yeah.
2: There was a, a plenty Of fortune teller ones which were, which were cool One of them was actually Like a typewriter That typed out your fortune Oh cool wow. what, Right in front of you And then printed it out That was really neat um, That is cool Yeah, It was a really cool place um and a, a fun time to spend like an hour in just walking around and doing that you know, we, we spent time on the wharf obviously we went to some touristy stuff like Alcatraz and um we walked the Golden Gate Bridge which oh was, nice how was that it was good I'm scared of heights so it was a little oh. bit intense for me <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't, don't look down. Yeah, it's tough not to look down. All there is is down when <laughs> yeah. you're on a bridge.
0: First thing you do when somebody says that is you look
2: down. Yeah, and uh, but it was great. You know, it was something I'm glad we did. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. So that we were lucky And that there was no fog or anything. Uh, we went, we drove down to LA for for a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took Route One all the way down. That is an yes. intense drive. Um, beautiful, but also really intense. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, you feel like you're going to f- drive off a cliff at, at any moment. <laughs> Uh, do, do not recommend doing it at night. Definitely not. There's like no lights on the road. Um, but it's amazing to be on the like these bluffs and these cliffs, looking out over the Pacific Ocean, and driving through the mountains. And at one point, though, we're driving through the mountains, and it looked like, like a scene out of Lord of the Rings because you're looking up, and all of a sudden, it looks like between these two mountains, there is it's birthing a cloud of fog, and it was <laughs> this giant. Uh, I'm telling you, like it was it, it was at least a 15 mile long at least stretch of, of dense fog oh wow and then once you're outside of it it's perfectly clear but w- but you end up going above it and then going below it and wow. then you-, and you also go through it and when you're below it it just looks like it's cloudy outside mm-hmm. but you can see it like seeping down sometimes like near your car like you know because it-
3: oh the mist yeah
2: exactly <laughs> exactly uh but it was a it- that was a great drive down it took 10 f an hours to get down to la from san francisco Whoa. going that way but- we went back the other way on Route Five, which is basically a straight line up California. Yeah. Took five and a half hours.
0: <laughs> wow! How many days did you stay in L.A.?
2: We really just or we nights? were really just there for we only th- there for one night. Um, we we drove up there Sunday, got in Sunday night around like seven or eight. Um, went to dinner, went to bed, got up early the next morning and just went like sightseeing um, until like three three thirty. Mm-hmm. And then just booked it out of L.A. Hmm. to beat the traffic. <laughs> Where'd you eat for breakfast? Um, what do we eat for breakfast? I don't. Tiffany's just, Diner? No, just in general. Just in general. It just in, just in general. <laughs> like no, we didn't day? go to Tiffany's diner. We didn't. We didn't oh. get there. We we woke up. We really in the very early morning. We just we had so, so much stuff we wanted to do that we just like ate you know like protein bars and we walked the Santa Monica. We walked to Venice Beach the Santa Monica Pier. Oh, cool! Before the Santa Monica Pier was even open because <laughs> no. it was like eight o'clock in the morning. The homeless were just getting up and like brushing their teeth. <laughs> oh my
3: god!
2: Yeah, so it was.
3: That's to make themselves so presentable. Did exactly. you go to the In and
2: Out Burger? No, we didn't go to In Out Burger, oh, dude. I... Did you go
4: to Buena Vista?
2: Yeah, I'm back. Um, Buena Vista, where in L.A.? San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco, the cafe. Yes, we did. We did oh, go good. there.
4: Did I mean, you drink an Irish coffee? Oh, of course, I drank an Irish coffee, oh, yes.
2: and it was amazing.
4: <laughs> I could, I couldn't finish mine. You couldn't finish yours. <laughs> it was too strong. Mara, right, come like... on. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, like,
2: the, I, don't, I can't do this, guys. The Buena Vista, Van Vista Cafe is, like, world famous for their Irish coffees, mm. and they were amazing. I had two. Um, the bartender was very, like, old school, like, talked a mile a minute, the very, you know, kind of gruffly charming, you know, person. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, but in L.A., we walked the, the Venice Beach, the Santa Monica Pier, and then we went into Hollywood and went up to Griffith Park and went to the observatory. Oh, cool. I felt like I was in Rocketeer. Yes. <laughs> uh, looked out over that, got some pictures of the Hollywood sign in the background. You know, we went to, drove down, we went to the Grauman's Chinese Theater, and, and, oh, nice. and I, she went, we wanted to see the handprints and the Walk of Fame mm. and stuff like that, and then uh, we really just, like, drove through Beverly Hills, because she wanted to see Beverly Hills. And Map then, of the Stars? Did <laughs> you get one? <laughs> no, we didn't get a Map of the Stars. And then we just left. Um, and even when we were living at three the traffic was starting to be ridiculous
0: oh the traffic there's insane yeah it's worse than it is here
2: oh yeah way worse and the thing about i mean i've already been to LA and i like LA but the thing with LA, LA is a very weird city hmm. because there's no like central vibe yeah. to LA because it's so disparate it's
0: the nightlife's s- really weird yeah it's over like there.
2: six different cities packed into one hmm. area so santa monica has a very different vibe than Hollywood it has a very mm. different vibe than you know Venice or Culver City or whatever, whatever, wherever you are. So it's it's a very it's tough. Like Karen couldn't get the vibe of the city just being there for a few hours. Whereas when you're in San Francisco, you you know right away it, it has a very particular yeah. feeling. It's like being in a East Coast City. It's like being in New York or Boston. You get a you get a very distinct vibe right away from the city. Um, but it was great. We had a great time. One of the best things we did. We went to a place called the Exploratorium. which is a museum. It's sort of, I would call it a museum is the best way to describe it, but it's an interactive museum. So they have all of these um, exhibits and and they deal with, you know, light and sound and, um, you know, behavioral analysis and all of these things. And you're basically doing experiments at at the museum and they have a uh, adults only night. So after six on a, on Thursday, I believe, or Wednesday, you pay half the cover charge usually takes to get in and they have a bar and a little like, like, like a little snack table set up and you know, people just go and they hang out. It's easier to go because what I heard is during the regular days, there are so many kids there that sure. it's like impossible to get into any of the experiments. Right. Um, but they had a therm in there. Nice. And I took a video well, of it to show yeah. you Baba, because <laughs> I I knew that you'd appreciate it. That's a weird thing to do. Yeah. It's very strange because you're just pushing your hands against metal rods and it's yeah. making music. Yeah. It's a very, very strange right. thing to do. Uh, you could build kind of your own, you know, like, a, it's almost like mousetrap, like those marble, they had a oh, whole huge wall. Oh, love that. Just to build. They had all the building materials you would need. Oh, that's so cool. Um, they had a whole section de- devoted to just, you know, tricking your eyes. So there was this thing where you stood inside of, it was almost like big tassels and they spun around really fast around you and you stood in the middle and what they say is, When you first walk in, you perceive the tassels as spinning. But after a few moments, you start thinking you're spinning around. And you feel like you're moving in a circle all of a sudden. Very, very strange. Um, One where you sit inside this booth and it's completely dark. And they tell you to stare at the person across from you. And it just flashes a light really quickly. And you're supposed to close your eyes. And when you do, you see the other person in front of you like your eyes are open, looking at them in a bright room. What it's really strange, yeah, really, really strange. Um, stuff, all stuff like that, like stuff with color spectrums and um, all. And then like they had, they had uh, this social experiment where it was just two scoreboards. It was like blue versus red, and they were testing how people reacted when one was down and one was up. You know what, what, what would happen? How different people who would go for the side that was up and try to make it win, and who would go for the side that was losing and try to make it go. Very interesting. interesting. Yeah, very very cool thing where you walk into a booth and there's just a lot of bright lights on you and you had a microphone in front of you like you were saying at a podium and they'd ask you to say something into it and then they'd have like recordings of people's reactions and they would like boo you or laugh at you or cheer <laughs> for you and you're supposed to say like how you were feeling it, it, you know how it's it was kind of how people are social animals and they, and they very much judge their own behavior and their own worth off of what other people think of them and even though you know you're in an experiment it's obviously muted. So when you say something um, and some people laugh at you, you feel like kind of bad. Like, you, yeah. you, you have that saying, you're like, I know this is an experiment. I don't really feel bad. But you can see how if it was a real situation, how – w- and and then you say something totally random and people cheer and you feel better about yourself. Yeah. And it's so funny because you know what's going on, but it's just our natural reactions. It was an amazing place. I, that and sounds it, really cool. Anyone who goes to San Francisco, I recommend going there. Yeah, so much fun. The Exploratorium. The Exploratorium. Yeah, it's right on the Embarcadero. It's one of the piers. Okay. Walking to Fisherman's Wharf, if you get off at like the, the BART station there or whatever, um, it, it's like Pier Fifteen or something like that. But if you're, and I recommend if you're an adult going to the after hours thing, because that way there's still a lot of people there. But you could get on everything, and you have a couple of beers. And all, like, I like the key thing was if you are like a single guy in San Francisco, it's an amazing date. <laughs> it's like the perfect date because you have something to talk about. You're engaged. You're having fun. You know, it, it's it was really really yeah. cool. So I, I, that was probably one of the highlights was doing that. And then I ended up actually reading two real books and because I was not reading comics. Oh, you read horns. right? I read horns. I read all of horns, and I read all of Nosferatu. Oh, so you're I read lucky. Both Joe Hill books. <laughs> Those were pretty awesome.
0: <laughs> I haven't finished Nosferatu yet.
2: Nosferatu is happened. But, scary. Uh, it's really it's scary. scary. Horns was fantastic. Yeah. Have you ever read any uh, Joe Hill books, Mara?
4: I read Horns a couple of years ago, and I read um, Nosferatu. I read most of Nosferatu for a Misfits episode, and then I freaked myself out. <laughs> <laughs> but Barnes & Noble, you know how they have like those clearance sales for hardbacks every once in a while? Yeah. I found it for like... Six bucks, and wow. since my husband works for a school, I got 25% off of that. So. Oh, nice. After pennies. Making it happen, Mara. Yeah, <laughs> so I might finish it one of these days. It but is
0: really good, but really scary. Are you going to now seek out the uh, comic book
2: yes. stuff? Yes, now I will understand what the hell is going on, because I really had trouble when I tried to read it the first time, knowing mm. what was happening. I mean, it, it, you could it, it takes place before the book, so you don't really have to have read the book, but... To know kind of the idea of the book is right. a big help. I can already tell just remembering back on reading that first issue.
3: Now, didn't the movie of horns just come out? Or is it did. A Netflix mm-hmm. thing or a video on demand or something.
2: It came out in theaters as well, but they released it at the same time on VOD as well. And now I'm going to. I was waiting to see it until I read the book because I was already a little bit into the book. I'd started reading it uh, like a month ago and I had just stopped because uh, I got really busy mm-hmm. and, and I was like, I'm just going to wait till I finish the book. So it was my mission to finish the book nice. over the vacation so when I came back I could watch the movie.
3: Daniel Radcliffe, right? Daniel Radcliffe,
2: yeah, yeah is, is the star of it. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with it because it's a, it's a tough, re- reading the book, it's a tough story, I think, to make into a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think because it has, it deals in unsympathetic, characters for the most part like Igg is sympathetic the main character because he's dealing with something pretty huge and he's also dealing with being accused of something really huge and so you have some feeling for him but he still he does very questionable things in the book yeah so it's more about the lesser of two evils in that book um, it's one of the things that I think is I, I, I like that about the book but I also think it's one of its shortcomings is that there isn't really a character to really really root for you're more rooting against the other character in the book, I think, because he's so <laughs> evil. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. And uh, but I did really like it. Uh, and and Nosferatu is kind of the opposite because the main character in that book is is amazing. The girl in that book, the character of Vic, is great, mm-hmm. and he does a really good job of establishing the villains in that book better than I think either of the the previous two books, um, Heart Shape Box or Horns. Heart Shape Box messed me up. Heart Shape Box is really <laughs> scary. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the first like five chapters of that book really messed with me yeah. i was
2: seeing that old man oh yeah
0: for weeks yeah <laughs> weeks
2: the way he describes the first time he sees the old man yeah it's it's so scary it's one of the scariest passages i've ever read in a book uh, just how vibrant the details are but yeah it was an amazing honeymoon we had a great time um you know we didn't i didn't want to come back uh <laughs> You know, uh, to to like work and regular life, but by the end we were tired of you know living out of a hotel. Ten days is a lot of days to stay at a hotel. Yeah, um, and you get to the point where it just it, it attacks with the fact that you don't have the stuff that you want to have around you, and um, the hotel had some some spotty <laughs> service at times. But, uh, they would I would call I called room service and like a message picked up that was like, oh, no one's here right now. Um, if you if you need something immediately, call guest services. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what else would I need if I was calling room yeah. service than just food? Like, uh, what, what emergency thing am I calling room service for? Um, so I called guest services, and I was like, oh, I need to order food. And they were like, okay, I can't give the room service. And I was like, I was like what room service isn't picking up? Like, oh, is there an is there opportunity to leave a message? And I was like, no, they just said they're not there. She goes, oh, well, you'd have to, you'll just have to try back later. What? what? I was like, this doesn't seem like what a hotel is supposed to say to you when you call. Yeah. You should say, oh, we'll call. We'll make sure we put the order in for you and we'll d- take yeah. care of it for you. So then I called service back again. And there, th- there is a beep at the end of that thing. But it doesn't say, like, leave your order after the beep. It just says, if you need an emergency, call guest services. And then, and then you wait a couple of seconds and there's a beep. So I left the message. There's that. And then they have, have a gift shop in the hotel. Two of the days we were there, it was closed All day, because the girl who worked there either didn't come in or was sick or something. I was like, "There's nobody else that can work in the gift shop." And and they and the thing was, they would lie to you. You'd be like, "I'd be like, oh, the gift shop. When is it going to open?" They're like, "Oh, it opens at four. I was like, "It's five thirty right now." (laughs) And then I went I went back at like eight thirty. I was like, "So the gift shop ever opened today?" She's like, "Oh no, it closes at eight. Sorry." I was like, "No, it was never open today." She's like, "Yeah, it wasn't open today." I was like, "Why don't you just say that?" You know, it's it's so weird to me. Like, and they they were not like apologetic or you know very Where did you stay? Um the DoubleTree Hilton in Berkeley? That
0: sounds like a pretty reputable
2: yeah. place. Yeah, it was and like it was it was nice there was a nice view of the marina. That was very nice. Um Berkeley is a weird place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it w- it was a it was a it was the hotel was nice not the bed was very comfortable but the the, the staff was just not very friendly it was it was weird hmm. that was part was weird but it was a great time regardless and sounds uh, like they're all
0: in on it together yeah to <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> just lying yeah. to me We just do
0: nothing <laughs> yeah all
3: the time and nobody will expect anything from us absolutely yeah, jack nicholson was running it
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i'm glad you had fun I, it was great Good. it was awesome excellent um but that, enough about me let's start talking about some comic books here um we're back to the, the old lightning round and uh, I think we have to have Bob go first. Just Oh, wait
3: a minute. Okay. All right. We're jumping right into that, eh? We are.
2: I'm going to put three minutes on this clock. And Bob's going to talk about 45 books. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> you ready? And
3: go. Okay. Avengers 37. It's eight months later, and 90-year-old Steve Rogers is running SHIELD. So you know for him, time's running out to start an IRA for his retirement. <laughs> harley quinn annual number one harley invades arkham asylum to bust out poison ivy which raises quite a stink in this rub and smell spectacular which i've not rubbed anything of because i don't want my books to smell like uh pizza farts which is one of the smells uh sensation comics number three this is just another fabulous issue you get two and two half stories More with diane has a rock singer who encounters some fans good and bad a part one by Gilbert Hernandez, and a really neat first part of a London caper featuring Catwoman. Hmm. Ah, Fantastic Four, number 12, tons of great forward story momentum here. Nice moments for Johnny, Wyatt, Spidey, Valeria, and Uncle Doom, Ben and the Sandman. But all for naught, because we're canceled soon. <laughs> it's too bad, just moving forward. X-Factor 16, uh, this is an Axis tie but there isn't an extra X-Men or Avenger to be found, which is fine by me since... Captain America and the Mighty Avengers number one is kind of spoiled by being Italian as the heroes are acting like morons, not so heroically, and it harshed the whole vibe of the book that it's had up till now. (laughs) Now, Sam is fine in Captain America number one, some really good story, but then we've got murderous Ian from Dimension Z, who I hated before, and he's in here, but maybe he'll go away. How much time do I have?
2: You have
3: a minute and 35 seconds. Okay, good. So I have some other time for other things. Uh, Captain Marvel number nine... Uh, It's a rollicking good time and told mostly in rhyme. Very good, Bob. Uh, I read it too. (laughs) Lila Cheney's to be wed, lest Carol fights in her stead. This tale by Ms. DeConnick of a code Napoleonic has humor never fear, though you might shed a tear. You're amazing. Uh, Actually, if anyone's interested in Lila Cheney, she first appears in New Mutants Annual Number One from 1984. (laughs) um we're back <laughs> red, <laughs> yeah, yeah. red sony number 13 is a really great start to a, a new arc here and sonya's cursed she can never forgive or show mercy again you think that would be a good thing for a barbarian lady with a sword but it doesn't quite go the way you think speaking of ladies with weapons thor number two was a heck of a lot of fun uh, i don't know who's caught back up with that but just a lot of guessing about who this could be i think they're all out the window really really and then to finish off harlan ellison city on the edge of forever number five the final issue of this it's great and best wishes to harlan hope he feels better soon you have tw-
2: 24 seconds left Bob.
3: yes <laughs> <laughs> uh no i'm done i got nothing left all right <laughs> well Omar, i know a couple of uh
2: bob's lightning round books are a couple of your lightning round books
4: yeah so <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um I, and I want to talk about Captain America a little bit sure, uh, let's go. as sure. well. Go for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so since, since we're all going to talk about it, we'll talk about it for a little bit right now. Um. I will say, Bob, before we get into Captain America proper talk, Um. I did feel the same way about uh the uh, Mighty Avengers, Captain America and the Mighty Avengers, only because of the fact that he is acting normally in his own book. Yeah. So for him to be acting so militantly in the other book, I can't really reconcile what the timing is yeah. of, of the two of them because um, I would assume they'd be taking place at the same time since they launched at uh, uh, in I the agree. same week. Basically, um, that was a little bit confusing to me, so I didn't, uh, you know, whatever's going on in Axis, I haven't been reading it, so I, I knew Did- I kind of knew this was happening. The idea of like the heroes acting a little bit like villains, but and it's a, a
3: spell by Doctor Doom and Wanda. Someone told me that. Yeah, well, To it's, flip things around. It started
2: like Red Skull. Red Skull did the hate wave or yep. whatever. Yeah. And this is them trying to reverse it, but some of the people who were right in the line of it, um, like right at the ground zero of it, have been kind of changed irreparably. And that's also... Yep. We'll talk about Superior Iron Man a little bit later, but um, that's sort of what that book is dealing with as well.
3: But... The, I mean, the Luke Spidey stuff is hysterical. It is. As Peter tries to apologize for all the things Otto was doing. Right. It's, that's what the book has been up to now. And the rest of it is sort of, oh, I'm really unhappy. But, I'll, you know, we'll hopefully get past Axis.
2: Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I think once you get past Axis, you're going to dealing with this anymore. But as far as only Captain America goes, Mara, what did you think of it?
4: Uh, well, I'll preface this by saying that I haven't read any. Other Captain America books, other than the Winter Soldier line. Okay. So I came into this kind of be- because it was a fresh start for the character, um, and you know what? I actually enjoyed it. I, I thought they did a good job introducing uh, who Falcon is as Cap, and I'm interested. I'm I'm really interested in what they're going to be doing with the series, and I love how he kept referring to like, how did I live without the shield? Mm-hmm. And you know, what was my life like before this? <laughs> so awesome now.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I liked that a lot, too. I I, I thought that the stuff with Sam w- w- was really great. I have no opinion on, um, I guess he's Nomad now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the character from Dimension Z, who is Zola's son. son. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I don't have any really opinion on, on him at all, because I haven't read any. I didn't read any of that uh, the previous Remender Lucky run. Lucky for you. <laughs> I read a couple of issues, but not really much. Um, but... I I really liked the way Sam was written here. I liked, it was much like that first issue of the his previous run on Captain America with, with Steve, the, dealing with the flashbacks of mm-hmm. him and his dad to to establish who he is as a person and, you know, in a very opposite relationship that, that Steve had with his dad. And I, I, I thought that that was a very good way to bring us into who the character was. And you know who Sam Wilson is relatively quickly. Because of you're dealing with his the core of his values. Yeah,
3: it was all new yeah. information. Right, I haven't seen any of that before, but it all fits in who Sam Wilson will become. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was well handled, and then we get really violent.
2: Yes, it does get very violent, but that doesn't surprise me. It's Rick Remender. Good. It's Rick Remenders, uh, and Rick Remender mm-hmm. is a very violent writer. Um, I will say this: it looks gorgeous. Yeah, Stuart Immonen, uh, unbelievable. Um, some of those, this the kind of big. Panel at the beginning with with Sam just flying. Oh, um, yeah, I it, want to post that. Beautiful. Yeah, it's it's really gorgeous. Um, the, the colors by uh, Von Graubadger, <laughs> <laughs> um, Wade Von Graubadger, who I I think does a lot with Stuart Inman as far as colors wow. go. Really great. Um, all of it. It's an amazing looking book from from beginning to end. Some Hydra fighting. I, I really enjoyed. And I, you know, the little bit I got of the nomad character, I, I didn't mind. So I, I'm very interested. I definitely want to read this and I, I love the, the last, the yeah, last you page. You don't want to give that away. And th- yeah. the other folks. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's some <laughs>
3: interesting folks. I also love the little Sharon and Steve on a rowboat <laughs> in a lake just
2: sort of, yes. I, can,
4: I can hang out
3: now.
2: I, yeah, let yeah. him be Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> just go fishing.
4: Just yeah. go fishing, Steve.
2: I like I like I that as well. Did you read captain america i did not you did not okay i hesitated on both yeah I, I, I would say all new captain america i would say definitely thumbs up i would say you can probably wait on mighty avengers just to mm-hmm. see when it gets past oh i don't know i mean i don't know how long they're going to be dealing with this Axis stuff yeah but
0: i mean i'm i'm reading Axis, so mm-hmm. I'm, i mean but i'm not so much interested in the other stuff i'm with spider verse going on right now mm-hmm. There's like two massive massive things happening yeah that I can only keep so much, you know, together.
2: <laughs> I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because this is the first time since we started this that I'm not really reading the event. So it's the first time I'm reading the tie-ins where I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I Welcome n- to my world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I was reading the, the the all-new the Captain America and the Mighty Avengers. Yeah, And I was like, I feel like Bob right now because I don't care what you can care what's going on.
0: I've read one through four of Axis uh, so far. I believe five and maybe even six have come out since. Mm. But, um, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it just as, as a fun event. I think some of it's interesting, some of it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Um, all the weird stuff with the, the red onslaught and things of that nature and the, the back and forth with the magic ba- backfiring and everything like that. I, I tend to enjoy books where tons of characters are involved mm-hmm. just to see where they are in the story. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's not going like, to change the Marvel Universe forever or anything like
2: that. It's supposed to. <laughs> Well, <laughs>
4: <laughs> nothing does. Yeah,
2: until Secret
3: Wars. Wars.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, I mean, I. It's not that I, I, I didn't dislike the the first issue of Access that I read, mm-hmm. but they're coming out with three a month for three months, so I, I just knew that it was I was going to get behind on it. Right. I, and I, I, I will eventually read it because I really like Rick Remender, and I, 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 I like when he gets zany and weird. Okay. But I. Um, I just, like you said, that with Spider-Verse going on and right. other things going on, I just, I needed to have a little bit of a break from that stuff.
0: I'll say this, and I'm glad that I remembered to mention this. One of the things that I'm really enjoying about it is, after reading Uncanny X-Force uh, from Remender, that Deadpool, that was like, mm-hmm. throughout that run, that was one of my favorite aspects of that, was the way that that character was written and treated throughout that series. In the, I guess, the third and fourth issue, or maybe even the fourth issue the way that he's written in that by him is rem- is very reminiscent of that run. And I'm glad to see at least some of the stuff from mm. this stellar run that went on poking through into this story. Mm. Um, like Remender hasn't forgotten how to handle certain characters. right? And I like seeing that kind of jokey yet compassionate side of Deadpool. And he's a character that a lot of people put down all the time. And they think he's annoying and they don't mm. want to be around him because he's going to mess things up. Mm. When all the chaos is going on, he's one of the characters that is dragging somebody out of the battle who's hurt because if he gets hurt himself, he can regenerate and right. keep doing that job. Mm-hmm. So he shares a moment with, uh, with Tony Stark where you know, he's dragging him through a firefight and they have this long conversation and it's very reminiscent of that
2: Uncanny X-Force stuff. Cool. yeah, Awesome. Awesome. All right, Mara, you ready to do your lightning round?
4: It's going to be kind of slow, so I'm going to spend some time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, Mara, ready? Go.
4: So the first one I read this week was Red Sonia, uh, number thirteen, which Bob already kind of hinted out with the forgiveness. But I do want to reemphasize um, that this is a great place for new readers to jump in, and you know you really don't need to know anything about Red Sonia to enjoy this comic, other than sometimes she smells bad, she's always horny, and she's down for a good brawl. <laughs> I also got a chance to read Batgirl thirty six this week. And I feel like The Misfits is the unofficial podcast for Background and Gotham <laughs> Academy now, which we are happy about that, but I, I just want to to point out to, to readers, especially people who have been really cynical about DC lately, including myself, that this is a great comic. This is a, a good facelift for DC. It's bright. It's cheery. I want to be best friends with Barbara now. I've, really feel for her dissertation research (laughs) and her data loss. Like, it breaks my own heart. (laughs) And it has some fun, great anime references, kind of, in it. Uh, So it's got, you know, it's just bright and happy. And, you know, it's kind of hard to find in a DC comic nowadays. So Batgirl 36, go pick it up. I also got a chance to read Witches, number two from Scott Siner and Jacques from Image. And... my gosh, like this is the creepiest comic I'm reading. (laughs) It's really scary and I don't know why I'm reading it at night. Um, (laughs) Like everything I'm doing is wrong here. Um, But the first issue kind of introduced this world where um, there's these creatures that live in trees that kind of just pull people who are pledged into these trees and transform them. And our our main character is a high schooler named Sailor Rooks who um, witnessed this happening. And everyone assumes that she's the one who killed the girl, not the creatures from the trees, the witches, I, I assume. So she's got a lot of psychological drama going on. And, and this issue goes a little bit deeper into what's plaguing her and how she's adjusting to her life in this new um, situation. And then Captain Amer- America, which we talked about, and uh, Captain Marvel number nine, which um, I, I want to point out that it's, it's just a fun issue. You know, and I think Bob really did a great job summing it up with the rhymes <laughs> because the whole issue is rhymes. <laughs> um, it's kind of hard to pick it up when you're when you're just reading it in your head. But if you start reading it loud, it really becomes you know really catchy a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, those are the books, and I want to just say that I spent my week watching Sailor Moon. So that's why I haven't read a whole lot yet.
2: <laughs> that's plenty,
3: Mara. That's
4: plenty. Oh, good. Good. You, you
3: did a good yeah. job too. Ten seconds left. Yeah. Oh, good. You did a good job. I just want to throw some Batgirl 36 love out there, too. Mm-hmm. My only complaint might sort itself out here in that I think Dinah's going to get over being mad.
2: Right. She's very mad.
3: She's very mad She's right very now. mad. She lost all her stuff. She lost all her stuff. Yeah. But what we have here is Barbara Gordon as detective. And the use, the use of her eidetic memory is just, again, stellar here. The artwork, the story is just, as you're saying, are fun, catchy, imaginative. And... There's a line when uh, Barbara's struggling with the twin motorcycle ninja girls, mm-hmm. and she flashes back to watching the original cartoons with her dad, and her dad says, well, you know, she'll survive because she's a smart girl, just like you. She's a hero." Mm-hmm. And it's wow. Okay, here we we've just summed up 37 years of Batgirl in one mm-hmm. sentence, mm-hmm. and that you know for those complaining that it's not the Batgirl of the last couple of years, no, it isn't, but she is acting like the Barbara Gordon of all the other thirty-seven years mm-hmm. that have been, where she's just a smart, capable woman, young woman, and she's getting to have a little light in her life and still a hero. Yeah,
4: yeah. But i say, like for me, this is the kind of Batgirl that I gravitate towards. Um, I'm a big fan of Stephanie Brown. In fact, I was reading Stephanie Brown Batgirl earlier today. Uh, I read like four issues in a row because I couldn't put it down because I missed that character and I missed that vibe. And I think that this creative team is really kind of channeling some of that fun. Yeah. And some of that, just equippiness. Like, mm-hmm. what, what it means, what's Barbara? she, like, 21, 22 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, this, in this comic? Well, I'm 25. And I, I'm like, I, yeah, I know people like that. I, I understand this. You guys are in my head right now. <laughs> um, so, I'm, I'm, I've been really happy with this comic. And I'm, I'm just, you know, DC, don't let me down. <laughs> don't cancel this book. Don't <laughs> change things. <laughs> Just give me at least two years. Give me two years with this book, and I'll be okay.
3: Well, we didn't get to, them. we will later on. But the first issue sales were very, very good. It was sixty-two thousand, which was an eighty-one percent increase. Yes. Oh wow! Over the previous issue, fantastic.
4: Do you know the breakdown between print and digital?
3: Just no, off they, the don't, top they, don't, don't, release, they don't release that. That. those things. Yeah, they don't release
2: that.
0: I, I, bet I wish you they would high. because
4: I think they would. They would show a huge difference, especially. Looking at gender, yeah, and who's buying what type mm-hmm. of medium?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say this: I, I I loved thirty-five. I liked thirty-six even more yes. than I liked thirty-five. Um, I, I I loved the the central conceit of the story. I thought the art is even stronger here than I think it was in, in issue mm-hmm. number. And in, in, I keep thinking number one, number <laughs> one. I almost called this background number two. Um, I I think what they've done with Barbara while keeping her Barbara but giving her some room to be young and not, not every she's still dealing with dire circumstances when she's fighting, but not every moment of her life outside of the cowl is also a dire circumstance. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we get to see her be, she, she is, she's more charming. She's more attractive. She's more interesting because there are now shades to her life rather than it just being one one shade of, of very, very dark.
4: I also I also want to point out there was an article in Bleeding Cool about Barbara well, Gordon's smart but she's not that smart about her backing up her data for her thesis and everything. Right. As someone who is in a doctoral program who is writing a dissertation and has lots of data, I don't remember to back up anything. <laughs> so for them saying like, oh, why didn't she use Dropbox or why wasn't, why wasn't she smart enough for a cloud device? It's because you're too focused on the material to actually think about Things like that. Because you don't assume that your, your hard drive is going to crash. So it's I just want to point that out. If you read that article, you know, <laughs> real life, sometimes some of us forget <laughs> to back things up. And it's okay. It's it okay. Is. It's okay.
2: It's okay. But yeah, I, I thought it was great. And I, I can't wait to see what, what we get and what, what becomes a, of this iteration. And I, will, I was thinking about this today. You know, We've talked a lot about Mark Doyle, right? About that man editor mm-hmm. and how things are changing over there. But I do want to say that um, the upper the upper management at DC also deserves credit for for what's happening mm-hmm. here. Dan DeDeo doesn't just get the crap when when bad things mm-hmm. happen; he also gets credit when good things happen. And this book, Gotham Academy, seemingly a lot of what's going on and having if if it's only Mark Doyle coming with the ideas or or using his pen trusting this editor enough to let him do what he does best. I think it, it has become a great, great thing for them. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, there's been a couple things out of them. Like, I think it, like if it wasn't for, um, Ms. Marvel, I think that we would be, I, I think you'd probably see the, the front runner here between this and Gotham Academy for best new series of the year. So I, I feel like they're doing some really great things. And, um, I like think, I think multiversity has been great and we're going to talk about Convergence later, which uh, I at least think is is interesting. you know. And so there's some stuff happening with them. And I think they deserve some credit for, for what they're doing mm-hmm. and, and trying to branch mm-hmm. out. Um, and Mario, you're right. Witches is really, really scary. <laughs> <laughs> did you read any? Back- did you read Batgirl, Steve? I did not
0: read Batgirl. Okay. <gasps> I've actually been saving. I've been trying to not read all of the gems all at <laughs> once. Like, I know we've had a couple weeks off, but there are a couple books that I'm holding on to that I just... I don't know, savoring them a little bit. I'm trying right. to not read piles upon piles just for the sake of reading. I'm trying to like let them like ruminate on them a little bit. Okay. I feel you. <laughs> yeah, I right. feel
4: you. I mean, I'm trade waiting and, you know, I'm actually, you know, a lot of that's why my pull list is so short sometimes cuz I'm like, well, you know, I'm saving right. it. I'm saving it. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: we're getting to the end of the year. We're going to have to start thinking about our, you know, nominations and everything like that. And I'm trying to i've already started catching up with things that i think are going to be making it at least into my list that i'm going to nominate Mm -hmm. that i want to read again so that i could you know make a strong case for it when we do our shows yeah
3: we're voting you down on everything (laughs) no (laughs) 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 we have we usually have a good balance good debates yes yes
0: and i think that i think this year that there'll be a couple things that we're all gonna
2: we're all gonna be cheering for
0: yeah absolutely Um, you know you
2: know universally well,
0: yeah. we're
3: gonna make sure stephanie nominates saga this time i'm gonna nominate I'm Saga. Gonna, okay. yeah.
2: i think this is the best that saga has been me honestly. too honestly
3: i'm glad to hear you say that because yeah. I've, I've really been loving this new arc
2: yeah this the the past arc that just ended i thought was the best it's ever been awesome um Good. all right so if you're ready for some lightning round i am all right here we go and go all right so uh after i think it was the last time we were all
0: in this room there was some talk about catwoman number 35 uh from genevieve valentine and art by gary brown and I decided our good friend Rob actually gave me his copy and I read it. And I really liked it. I Oh, you have it? I even own it. Yeah. It it's good. It's good. It, it's it got kind of a, like I started reading um, Gotham Central again because of this. Because it, it's got that kind of, you know, down in Gotham city vibe. I loved the art and I really loved the color palette by uh, Lee Lowridge Um, lots of like oranges and purples and just like almost like Halloween colors throughout the whole thing. And she's dressed and she looks good. She's got, you know, classy business attire. And I like the idea that she's using her power. She's, she's kind of risen to power through events uh, happening in Batman Eternal, which is also awesome. Um, and she's in this position where she can actually do some good for Gotham. And so far... That's what she's choosing to do. And that's what's upsetting the other, you know, the other crime bosses and whatnot is that she's actually trying to do some good and it's bad for business for them. Um, So, a nice new spin, a nice new light for Catwoman to be in. Um, The other book that I really enjoyed was Fairy Quest Outcasts, number one, from Paul Jenkins and Humberto Ramos. This is a continuation of the Fairy Quest series that came out several months ago. It might have even been last year. It
2: was last year, I think. All right.
0: So last year, it was only two issues, and this is only two issues as well. Um, they don't spend any time really catching you up on what happened in the other story. So this is more for people that were a fan of the first, but yet more ridiculous, ridiculous artwork. Some of the best that Humberto Ramos has ever done. And uh, Leonardo Olea for the colors, the colors in this book are phenomenal. Like there are colors in here that I don't know if I've ever even seen them before. They're just gorgeous. And um, my other uh, favorite lightning round book is uh, *Rasputin*, based on trueish events, from uh, <laughs> Alex Grecian and Riley Rosmo. Um, I've been following Riley Rosmo for a, some time, like the last two years. I've been following him. This is the best that he's. This is the best thing he's ever drawn or done. Uh, the colorist is amazing, and this is basically. It starts off with Rasputin drinking the wine when he was poisoned and he then goes back and kind of this flashback of him growing up with his parents and where he came from and it just you get this really almost like silent paneled for more than 75% of the book of a scene within his life you get to see him use his powers and it's just absolutely positively beautiful and brutal and conveys a lot without the use of dialogue and I love it I can't wait to see where the series is going to go All right,
3: and there you go awesome that's it Nice. And after we did Hellboy, to have Rasputin on your palate was yeah. Very, yeah, very apt. Well, this was
0: another book that like I had it for about two weeks, and I saved it, and then I, I finally sat down. I did not expect to almost walk into what, it, what feels like a silent issue. There's maybe four pages worth of dialogue, and then the whole rest of it is just this big flashback, but it's beautiful. So I, I really, really enjoyed it. I can't wait to see where this goes. They got a really stellar team
2: on this book, and that's, uh, that's from Image. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. All right. I will go now. Here we go. Boom. All right. Um, Jumping on what Mara said, uh, which is really, really scary. Uh, The second issue, I didn't expect things to ramp up so quickly Mm -hmm. to the outside world. I thought we were going to get more issues with kind of sale, like just just knowing about what was going on. But other stuff has escalated. I
0: get a very poltergeist feel from that that's
2: yeah, a little bit of that yeah yeah but when the, there's a scene where the dad walks into the room and i expect nothing to be there mm-hmm. there's something there and yeah. it, it, it <laughs> was really intense um very unnerving but staying in the in the, the snyder verse um uh batman number 36 Endgame part two um second part of this uh return of batman's greatest foe uh really really creepy stuff so different than death of the family mm-hmm. um the big reveal moment is really great and really creepy um, I really like the, the kind of new look yeah. for, for the Joker um, here. So great, great stuff there. Superman Unchained number nine, which is the final issue of the Superman Unchained story. I thought they brought it to the close really, really well. Um, great Superman stuff. Great, you know, values of Superman. It just gets it right in that way, and a satisfying conclusion to, to the series. Um, and Thor uh, number two. I just want to come Bob said. I really loved it. It was really badass. The art by Russell Dowderman is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Um I, I loved the dual personality thing with her. Like the her the part of her brain that's still not Thor yet. And the part of her brain kind of that is full of the knowledge of Asgard kind of living in the same person I thought was really cool and kind of uh, reminiscent of, I guess, you know, kind of old
3: time Thor. Don Blake. Yeah. Hitting the cane on the rock. Yep.
2: Yeah. I thought that was really, really cool. So really, really great stuff. Um, really excited to see where it goes. And like you said, Bob, I think that it is kind of out the window. About what? Uh, about what's happening? Um, and who she actually is? Yeah,
3: my guesses are all toast
2: because of the way she was talking. Some <laughs> of the clues that she goes when she's talking, um, it, it leaves me completely flummoxed, actually, uh, as to who she is. I gotta read it. Um, but really great stuff. And I just want to say quickly too, uh, catching up on some TV stuff: uh, uh, Arrow and The Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, the Flash has been great, and uh, the Captain Cold stuff from a couple weeks ago was fantastic. Last week was really good as well. Um, the first kind of metahuman human who's not a bad guy that we that we've seen, um, really really cool. And, and I want to see where it goes. Um, I love kind of the mystery at the end of each episode, that kind of putting it together slowly. And I mean, I think, and I think the last three episodes of Arrow three of the best episodes the show has ever had in my mm-hmm. opinion um the the I, I think the turnaround they've done with laurel i think has been pretty great um and i feel like uh she's gone from one of my least favorite characters on any television show <laughs> to a character i actually kind of like so that's a big change in a very short period of time um there's something done with wildcat i thought has been very cool as well and i will just say one thing there was a boxing glove arrow in the yes, last episode really? of Arrow which was awesome. <laughs> um, you know, I I will say the one thing that I one thing I'm getting slightly not tired of is the wrong word because I'm not tired of it, but I kind of rolled my eyes at another Arrow-based uh character who pops in at the end of of the episode. Um I just hmm. I want them to varied up a little bit. We haven't a lot of... There was a lot of variation. Obviously, last year was very focused on Deathstroke, so we had a a very different character, and there's been a lot of Arrow-based characters yes that's true shooting arrows and 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 dealing and with no, arrows and okay. and so uh, you know it, it makes sense because it's the universe the the show is in but i just want to see them branch out and i think and i know they will i think the flash crossover is coming very soon as well hmm. so but i I, yeah. I i've loved the show in the last couple of weeks the flash has
0: been so awesome
2: yeah there, there's that scene, that scene in the captain cold episode where he's inside the train that's crashing and yeah. he's like running through the crashing train saving people Really yeah. great. And this past episode, the building thing and the water thing both really, really
3: neat. But, uh, I've got to start catching up. I yeah. saw f- half of the first episode, and that's been it.
2: It's <laughs> interesting. I think it's got, I mean, it definitely has a Flash vibe, but I definitely almost get like a Spider-Man type feeling from it. Just mm-hmm. like his personality and the, the brightness of the of the show mm-hmm. reminds me of that in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where are you on Gotham? I, I only watched the first episode. <laughs> okay. Um, I just, I, 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 it was something like, I, again, we reviewed it and, and I, and I, I actually kind of enjoyed it, but when it came to watching the second episode, like yeah. I just couldn't push play. Like, I just didn't have the, the desire to watch it. I hear you. Um, and I'm not the kind of person who like will, will, I guess, hate watch something. I guess people, you know, call yeah. it, I don't, I won't watch something to not like it knowing I won't like it because I just, I, I have too little time to do the stuff I want to do. So I want to, I don't want to do that stuff. I haven't mm-hmm. watched any of Constantine I haven't heard great things about it, but I do want to at least check it out Mm -hmm. and see what's going on with that. Um, I heard the last episode was actually pretty good. Um, So I'm, and obviously I'm way, way behind on Shield. I I have no idea. Shield's been fantastic. That's what I hear. Yeah. I hear hear Shield's been been very good. Really, really good. The first season's supposed to be on Netflix in the next couple of weeks. So uh, Mm -hmm. if I can catch up with that, and I'll try to watch season as much as as possible. Sweet. The Agent Carter stuff has looked good. Yes. The previous Agent Carter have looked really good. Are you excited about that, Mara?
4: Oh, yeah. I am. I'm pumped for
3: agent carter so much <laughs> uh, <laughs> i love the way they're advertising in an eight-ish uh, you know an eight episode event yeah that they're really pushing that it's going to be something special and look, a period piece mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. going to be great and they have you know dominic cooper
2: yeah they have all the big yeah. people back i mean it, i think that's a really cool thing that's uh, awesome i'm I, excited I, for that yeah i think that they've gotten a, a, a very good cast together and If they can pull off the period, look, and I like that it's only eight episodes. I like that they're containing it so that that way they can use their budget accordingly and not have to worry about some kind of long game. And if it's very successful, they can do it again. And if it's not, they had a great eight episodes of TV that, you know, even if it doesn't get high ratings, people will enjoy and they'll have something else as part of their
3: growing universe. They can throw out... uh DVD sets, Blu-rays, throw it on Netflix. Yeah. make some extra money and yeah. move on. Have yeah. and,
4: and I wish more people appreciate the value of a limited series for television. You know, like yeah. the eight and done or thirteen episodes and be finished mm-hmm. with it. Because yeah. I mean,
0: twenty-four I, is a little bit long for certain shows. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, I, I really enjoy shows that have a definitive beginning and ending, like a really long movie. Yeah, and I hope and I think yeah. Agent Carter is going to fulfill that that hole in my heart right now for <laughs> a self-contained show when this, I don't have to worry about, you know, never knowing what happens in the end.
2: Right. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on to our books of the week. Bob, why don't you start us out?
3: Okay. I'm going to start with silver surfer number seven, Dan Slott, Michael, and Laura, Olred, and Joe Sabino on letters. This to me is one of the best comics I've read this year in terms of getting to the heart of a character. And in this case, three, because we get certainly Norrin, Doing surfery heroic stuff, but also the adventurous spirit of Anchor Bay's Dawn Greenwood and toomey. <laughs> we 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 find out a lot about the silver Surfer's board, now named Toomey, thanks to Dawn's misunderstanding sort of the surfer going to me, my board, which just makes me laugh every time I even think of it. Uh, where we here we begin at the Pangalactic edge. And the lighthouse at the end of the universe, which is just a planet with a Lighthouse sticking out of the middle. Of- uh, you know, when we were at the con last year, when Dan Slot was sitting, and you know, how do you, how are you going to do this? You're writing all these Spider Man books. And, and when I heard that Mike Allred was going to do a Silver Surfer book, I don't care how many things I have to write, I need to write this book. And the love for these characters by these great creators the, the, the entire team it shows in every panel and every page there isn't you couldn't have imagined putting a, a, a dream team together for this book and this vibe for this book what happens here is dawn gets kidnapped by some bands of dark force and then in flashbacks we see some of their other adventures and how their bond has built and why it's all important And what the board has to do with all this, and I never thought of that before, and yet here it is. It's a new Hmm. angle to this character. Norrin has a long and twisted and convoluted history as someone who came here to help destroy us and found humanity through Alicia Masters all those many, many decades ago. And through the years, there was a series in the 90s, I, I used some issues for some while back, where we saw the world again through her eyes, and his and that's happening here again and i it was one of the highlights of the 90s was that surfer series for me and here it is back again this is just a wonderful spectacularly touching funny amazing comic book anyone who's not reading this should take a shot at this if you're a doctor who fan if you love science fiction quirky yeah. humor it's all in here everybody caught up with this one or are we everyone I'm behind. Behind? I'm, I'm behind i'm two issues behind yes i'm behind
4: okay. And I
3: love it. <laughs> okay. Hopefully I haven't, spo- I, I try not to spoil things, but we'll, no, there, said, there's no. a lovely, I've, lovely ending here that is really heartwarming. I'm enjoying
0: your passion for it because I know that you were, not skeptical, but that you were, you were hoping that it would be something like this when it was announced. And it's just yeah. nice to know that it's living up to your expectations. And what I have read of it, I think I've read about one through four or five. Um, it's great. It, it's it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful. And it is very Doctor Who, but I, I like the idea that you're saying, like, you've read all of Silver Surfer, or the, the vast majority. Vast majority. Okay. The fact that you're finding, still finding something new in the character, and there's new things to explore, says that, you know, the book is really mm-hmm. doing its job, or Dan Slott is, you know, taking it to, to new heights, which is awesome.
3: Well, he's letting you see the surfer, th- see new things through a different personality than anyone he's hung around with before dawn is mm-hmm. someone who was trapped and now isn't so everything is yeah you know, it's a brand new day for her each and every second of it she's going to enjoy mm-hmm. and pass that enjoyment on to him and it it's passed to us in the audience Have you gone to the issue where he's eating seafood bisque? Yes. Yeah. Well, come on. (laughs) He was hanging out with a guy who was eating planets, and now he has to, you know, sit at the Green the Anchor Bay Inn or whatever the Greenwood Inn and have some lobster bisque. Can't beat that. Just can't beat that. And just again, I. The, the joke is always when you talk about an actor or whatever, I would pay to hear him read the phone book or whatever. Well, I, right. I would pay to see Mike Allred draw the phone book. <laughs> it's George Clooney for
2: me. <laughs> It'd be me. very interesting.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like,
2: I, he like, could do it though. Draw all I of the people in the phone it. book. <laughs> uh,
3: he's one of those people when you uh, see a poster, a promo poster of something he's done, there's a Captain America poster in my one of my local comic shops, and it's that sort of 60s Jack Kirby vibe. And he gets that here, but it's still Mike and Laura <laughs> Allred. It mm-hmm. is... is is. He's not beholden to that past, but he honors it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's, that's not easy to do without being a slavish imitator. This is just just super book. Uh, deep breath. Go ahead. That I am caught up on. What's that? This one? She-Hulk. Okay. She-Hulk number 10 is Charles Soule, uh, Javier a Monsonite, uh, Monsonite, Monson Vicente, and Gus Pillsbury. He must have had trouble in school, isn't <laughs> And a lovely. <laughs> sorry, Gus, if you're listening. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it's just right there. And, and a lovely Kevin Water cover. The trial of Steve Rogers concludes here. And it's Charles Soule who's a lawyer. So you're expecting great courtroom dramatics here. and But in Steve's testimony, it's regarding a night back in 1940 where something he's done might have caused the death of somebody else in an unfamiliar way. And, you know, the. the you, it, what we've heard from the other testimony or from the other side of this argument is what well, Steve did something you wouldn't expect. We hear from Steve now and it is exactly what you would expect. It's Steve Rogers acting <laughs> as captain America, even when he's the 98 pound weakling teenager, just going out to LA to help someone's friend out of a jam. Steve's decision to become captain America hinges on events in this book. You're, so involved in this trial. Obviously, Cap's not going to jail. He's probably not going to get you know, criminalized or turned into another Civil War event or it's going to... Heroes against heroes. It's not the way this book operates. But you fear that something bad's going to happen. There are stakes here. Yeah. Well, Jen's a really good lawyer, but in this case, she's up against Matt Murdock. He's also a good lawyer. He's also a very good lawyer. And... She has her own team, you know. She's got Patsy Walker out there helping out in that in her stealth suit, which is pretty interesting in this one. She loves that stealth suit. She loves that stealth suit. Gets a chance to break it out every now and again. You're I'm getting short I'm gonna tell you this is one of my favorite books of the year. You're gonna hear me talk about this as we move yeah. into the end of the year, because not only the series itself, this particular issue. At the end of this, Steve just had some of the panels out there, folks just sort of walking down the street chatting with each other. Yeah. And it's amazing. And it's funny and dramatic that you had a two-page spread of the two lawyers presenting their closing arguments. That it's, yeah. it's like an L.A. Law episode or Perry
0: Mason. <laughs> it's an intimidating spread. To, to open up oh. those two pages and see that much information on a page. I just showed it to Bobby and he <laughs> kind of like... Ah. I, started, I
2: started sweating. or we looking at the... <laughs> but
0: the thing that I wanted to say about it is this has been going on for the last three issues. Yes. So, I mean, so much of this has been the Captain America, the case itself, and listening and being involved in this story. The way that he like behaves throughout these three mm-hmm. issues, you know it's going to be okay, but he keeps denying help and aid Mm -hmm. from everything that Jen can think of. He's like, no, 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 it's gotta be this way. It has to be legit. Even Mm -hmm. if they accuse me, they accuse me. And and, you know, he's being so captain America, even in the position that he's in. It's classified.
3: Can't talk about it.
0: But you have Charles soul who has a background in law, just adding so much like legitimacy and, and the vocabulary and all of that stuff that it feels so authentic. Like you're reading a real court case. Like these are real people because I mean, aside from the super soldier serum stuff, this is something that could have happened to, you know, anyone back then. And it's all like old ghosts coming out to haunt Captain America to try and ruin his good name. And to watch those those two lawyers, lawyer characters battle it out and give everything that they can, because that's what they were instructed to do. It's pretty amazing. It's like watching a giant like hero battle, but using yeah. their brains and using the courtroom laws and stuff like that. So I, I loved it. I thought it
3: was great. Stupendous work, uh, Mara. You read this one?
4: Yeah, I did. Actually, um, it was the one I grabbed right after Red Sonia this week. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
4: I I was really happy with the conclusion of the story. I thought uh, the past three issues taught me a lot about Steve and about how his integrity is at this certain level and how he tries to pull everyone up to that same level. Um, which is kind of interesting because Jen is like, just let me win. I, I can win this. Just tell me. Yeah. He's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but I, you know, I, I thought I had a good conclusion. And you know, is correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a uh, a cancellation on this book? Yes,
3: yeah. it's canceled. Okay. okay, two issues, two more issues.
4: Two. Okay, I want to know how they're gonna, what they're gonna play out in the next two issues, um, based on the way that they ended this one. Cause I, I don't know, I don't know, guys. <laughs> they've had that, they've had that blue file this whole from,
3: from issue one.
4: This whole, you know, ten yes. issues, and we still don't know how that's gonna. Where, yeah, I'm just, you know, it's gonna be an interesting two issues.
3: Yeah, I have heard that her character will be appearing in Mighty Avengers.
4: Mm-hmm. She's okay. made some
3: appearances okay. there before, but she's handled pretty well before mm-hmm. as Luke's. Lawyer, ex-girlfriend on top of everything else. And Al Ewing I think can do a great job. Yeah. I just really hope I know Charles Soul has been saying, no, oh, if you saw my original pitch, it was only going to be twelve. Mm-hmm. And you know, I this is the story I want to tell exactly the way I want to tell it.
4: Okay.
3: So I can accept that. Be, I can accept yeah.
4: that if it's an original you know <laughs> yeah. that's yeah.
3: From that's him. Fun. I'm I, <laughs> not that I spoke to him personally, but yes, <laughs> I I did read this on the old interwebs. <laughs>
4: Sorry.
3: But I will buy these trades or i want i want the one with the legal notes in the side the steno notes and whatever (laughs) just so i can catch up on some of the legal ease here but just a stupendous issue i'm so glad he chose to do this
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. all right awesome that's it for me
3: shield
2: number 10 and silver
3: surfer silver surfer number seven went (laughs) off the mic there for a second went into space
2: all right all right mara I know my, you want to talk about The Wicked and the Divine.
4: Yes, this is Ooh. my book of the week. The uh, first volume came out. And um, that is, I believe, the first five issues of the comic, plus some supplementary materials like uh, alternate covers and some notes on and everything about the series. For those of you who have, haven't been reading Wicked and Divine, it's by Gillian McKelvey and... Oh, sorry, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. <laughs> that's a good matchup of their That's I think of them. Yeah. <laughs> they're the same person. <laughs> and so they're kind of, I don't know, in my mind, they're kind of, you know, the teenage super team. You know, whatever they touch as far as teenagers go, like in Young Avengers, turns to gold. And uh, Wicked and Divine follows um, a character named Laura. She is, you know, a teenager, normal, you know... She lives in this world where there's all these pop idols coming out and they have like these incredible um this incredible draw for teenagers. She goes to a concert and runs into um another teenager named Lucy who offers to take her back to meet this pop star that she loves. And through events she finds out that um all of these these mega stars that are, you know, showing up around the world, that, you know, teens want to be and want to be around are actually like reincarnations of gods um lucy obviously being like lucifer and uh it's very interesting you don't know everything right off the bat things are kind of hidden from you and i I like that um in a comic book i don't need to know everything in the beginning and you know that's kind of um Some of the the more popular comics today, like Saga, they don't tell you the whole backstory before throwing you in. And that's the same thing with Wicked and Divine. You're kind of playing it by ear as you're reading it. But it's a very compelling story. It's, you know, like I said, as far as writing teenagers, this team has got it down. Um, I don't know when was the last time you guys talked to teenagers, but they aren't the most innocent people in the world. (laughs) Uh They act a lot like the characters of Wicked and Divine do, where they have, you know, they're, they're trying... To be grown ups, while also being kids at the same time. Uh, there's a lot of supernatural elements to it. It's a lot of mythology, um, which, while you're reading it, it, it's nice to have like a notebook or a piece of paper so you can write down the names of the characters. So you can go back and read the the background to where where their names come from or or their their um, their histories. So. Also, since it's a Volume One from Image, it's nine ninety nine for five issues plus um, pages of variant covers and some background on um, some of the things they did. Plus, a um, when they were talking about the release and ordering Wicked and Divine Number One, uh, Karen Gillan did like this photo set of how to order a comic from a comic book store, so that's in there. <laughs> And the uh, advertisements for the series and, you know, it's just got lots of goodies for, for $9.99. I really enjoyed it and, you know, I'll probably be passing it along to others.
2: Awesome. So you plan on getting, I guess, volume two because you're not going to buy it issue by issue.
4: Well, um, I've just kind of been reading it digitally mm-hmm. and then buying it. But I, I feel like this is a series that they're going to go um, deluxe hardcover with, which was, was my mistake with buying Lazarus. Mm-hmm. When they had like, the, the trade paperbacks come out and then all of a sudden they announce, oh, deluxe hardcover. Like, yeah. Guys, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot do that. Um, same thing with Saga. We've been buying them as they come out in trade paperbacks. And then the first deluxe hardcover, I think, yeah. comes out this week.
2: Yeah, right? but that, That's been at least it's been like a couple of years with Saga. It, yeah. Lazarus, well, it's, it's been, it, I think, premiered.
4: One, um,
0: Saga's last 1 year. through 18. Yeah. For okay. that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: But still, Lazarus was pretty quick after Lazarus that Lazarus was second. very quick, yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean like, hey, guys, I just bought this.
0: <laughs> Sometimes, though, I mean, there's no, there's no guarantee with the deluxe hardcover. Sometimes yeah. the paper is thinner and feels cheaper. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, that if you get, like, the trade paperbacks, you might get better quality. I mean, I haven't yeah. seen the mm-hmm. Saga one yet, but that's kind of one of my fears. I was going to pre-order it, but mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to, like test read it
2: a little bit first. I can't imagine I the image hardcovers not having good paper. No, see that? The,
4: the Peter Pan's Faust one is really good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm looking at it right now. I just pulled it off my shelf. I mean, I'm thinking I
0: haven't really gotten too many of the image ones cuz mm-hmm. I I I buy image books right. know, every week that mm-hmm. I just I, I don't really pick up the trades all that much. But um there's been some DC stuff and even some Marvel stuff where I've opened up a book and been like found like a compendium or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, this is awesome." And then like you're flipping the pages and it's like rice paper,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think that I, th- I feel like that's more of a, a fear in those, like, comp- like the Walking Dead yeah. compendium. It, they're stuffing so much into a book that they're they're sacrificing paper quality to give you, you know, however many issues is in that compendium. It's a crazy amount of issues yeah. in that compendium. I I can't imagine the image deluxe hardcovers or like you know just like the IDW or the mm-hmm. the Dark Horse ones being anything but right awesome. And I don't think that Brian K. Vaughn. Would let no. it not well, be awesome. No. <laughs> if it's anything
0: like the Why the Last Man
2: books right, yeah. it's going to
0: be absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, that's really cool. I, I, I kind of want that to, for, for my shelf. And it's, it's again, it's crazy. It's $50. It's 18 issues. It's not like in a Deluxe hardcover. That is not bad at all. No. No. Yeah, that is not bad
3: at all. With all the DVD extras, it'll... Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's it's a great... With, yeah. I mean,
2: just cover price. I'm um, sure you can get it cheaper on Amazon. If you go on Amazon, it's 34 dollars Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but it just if you walk into a comic book store right. and it's $50, it's not even a bad no, deal. it's still in that. well worth it. Yeah. Because they could have easily been like, oh, it's $75. It's $100. You know, and people would have bought it still. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So it's Wicked in the Vine, Volume 1. Steve. Hi. Luna Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about Alex and Ada number uh, 10 Here we go with the <laughs> names um, Yeah I've
0: been talking about Alex and Ada all year uh, Ever since this came out This series has just been absolutely stellar uh, I'm so glad I've had a lot of people write into me uh, Either through the forums or through Twitter And telling me that um, they've been reading this Because I talk about it so much And um, you know, thank you guys for, for hearing me out And going to, to check it out and such I really hope you're enjoying it Alex and Ada number ten. I wanted to bring it up again because this is a very big turning point in the in the series, and it's just a really beautiful example of like sticking with something and watching character growth, if you will. Um, I highly recommend having some uh, some Marvin Gaye on hand (laughs) when uh, reading Alex and Ada number ten because there is some serious serious stuff going on uh, within this issue, but. What I love about it so much is at this point in the story, you have Ada who's been unlocked she's been awakened and she's you know she's feeling all these things and she's getting all this information like anybody else would, but she still has all of the AI built within her because she's she's still an Android, so we're watching now somebody who has had a few issues to kind of grow into talking to somebody and hiding the fact that she's an Android because if she wants to go out in public, she needs to behave like a normal person. And she needs to have normal conversations. Um, one thing leads to another, and this issue Ada winds up on the doorstep of some of Alex's friends, and they are—they come from the beginning of the series that there are two people. One of them, uh, the guy, has a prosthetic leg from a like a war accident that he was in, and they needed to to put a prosthetic, in. so he has a sympathy for the droids, and their their whole thing of like. Do we have droids in society and all this stuff going on in the background that with so many books, everybody like things that we read, superhero things and whatever, even independent books where there's always somebody nefarious. There's always somebody who's stabbing someone in the back or double crossing just to get the plot moving. And, you know, oh, how could you and blah, blah, blah. This is a couple that sympathizes with Ada and wants to help her, wants to see her and Alex together and happy And she, uh, Ada basically shows up at their doorstep and says, I need your help. Their reactions to her situation and helping her is inspiring just from a character standpoint and just people in general, like in life, that if you go to them, they are willing to go to the ends of the earth to help you. Um, And this is also a major thing where we're starting to see Alex kind of shift over into being much more of a human being and accepting Ada as more than just his house droid and, and discovering that he does have feelings for her. And only do you, when somebody takes something away from you, do you realize how much you need it or how much you want it or how much it means to you and stuff like that. So with only five issues left, I think this is ending at 15. I know it's going to end horribly. (laughs) I just know it. Yeah. One of them is going to die that, I mean, I can't, I can't, see this ending any other way and at this point I don't know which one it's going to be or if any of them at all I could be completely wrong I would love to be wrong Um, but the amount that I care about these characters and being with them from the journey of when Ada first arrived at Alex's house inside the box no personality beyond his own you know whims and desires and things like that and basically just an in-house maid that he can speak to to now being a you know, semi-fully functional human being that's also a droid. And just the the whole point of this book, I believe, is to watch this journey of these two people coming together that aren't necessarily supposed to be together. And by unlocking her and giving her feelings and allowing her to feel love and to feel pain and to feel heat and all of these things, you as the reader have journeyed with her. And now we're coming to this this number 10 issue where something comes about that pays off everything you've read for the last nine issues, um, so yeah, Alex and Ada is definitely definitely one of one of the best books of the year. Um, if you're not picking it up, the trade is available issues one through five, and I believe the second trade will be out uh, soon It's going to end up being a, th- a three volume gig nice so
2: yeah. fifteen issues is a very interesting number for a limited <laughs> series it's it seems i mean every single issue
0: has delivered there has not been a a letdown issue at all there's been nothing it's all been progressive the whole story just builds upon thing upon thing upon thing um i just don't know with five issues left like what's gonna get resolved Mm -hmm. what kind of what kind of ending are we gonna have like i'm i'm dying i'm not gonna find out till next year (laughs) you know like march or or whatever and um i'm just dying to know i've never i haven't like been hanging on a series like i have with this comic wise this year for a while like every time this comes out it's the first thing in my pile every time so even like if i have no time to read i make time to read this so yeah pretty strong case (laughs) for luna boy luna boy um but my other book that i wanted to talk about this week is called the undertaking of lily chen and this is a book from first second that I purchased at New York City Comic Con uh this past con. And it is written and uh and illustrated by Danica Novgorodov. Nicely done. She's a very, very lovely girl. I met her uh at the con and she even signed my book and drew a little uh mule or oh. donkey for me.
2: A burrow. <laughs> a burrow. Ooh, there <laughs> you go. <laughs>
0: So, um, I just want to read this, this little passage because it'll help me to explain to everybody what this book, uh, entails. Uh, and it says here, this is from the economist, uh, July 26th, 2007. Parts of rural China are seeing a burgeoning market for female corpses. The result of a reappearance of strange customs called ghost marriages. Chinese tradition demands that husbands and wives always share a grave. Sometimes, when a man uh, died unmarried, his parents would procure the body of a woman, hold a wedding, and bury the couple together. A black market has sprung up uh, to supply corpse brides. Marriage brokers, usually respectable folks who find brides for village men, account for most of the middlemen. At the bottom of the supply chain come hospital mortuaries, funeral parlors, body snatchers, and now murderers. So this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. You know, this this goes on, and um, what you have here is the story of this guy named Deshi, who essentially um, shares an argument with his brother uh, on, a, on a base of sorts that he's a, he works security for. And they end up in an altercation. One of them ends up tripping and essentially gets hit by um, one of the Jeeps going in and out of the compound, and he dies. Uh, Deshi returns to his parents and explains what happened. Uh, grief-stricken, they're just like, we don't know what to do. This is your fault, Your brother was amazing. You're terrible. The least thing that you can do is you can find him a bride. We're going to give you the money, and we're tasking you with finding a bride for your brother. The funerals in seven days. You know, get your act together and go do it if you want to do anything for this family at all. So Deshi goes out into the world. He grabs the burrow and tries like hell to find some kind of a decent situation where he can you know pay a family for someone who's just died or go to one of the hospitals or whatnot and at every turn everybody that he goes to uh essentially turns him away and says you know it's not going to work out for you friend i'm sorry so he winds up making a deal with this shady character and um in their travels this girl lily ends up basically uh coming from a really broken home and running away runs into deshi on the road and the two of them go out in search of him returning home from this trip. And during the trip, he gets it into his head to, you know, he's got nothing. He has nothing to show for his thing. What do I do with this girl who's been traveling with me? She's annoying as all hell. She's selfish. All these things. Do I then kill her and give her to my brother to be with in the afterlife? Um, it is a really, really intense story with absolutely positively beautiful, beautiful artwork. Um, Lots of, you know, um, like landmarks and just beautiful backgrounds and stuff like that. It's a kind of like an ink and watercolor uh, Mm -hmm. presentation to it. And if anybody remembers the um, scary stories to tell in the dark books from Scholastic that came out all those years ago, those really like shadowy, smoky, like thin lined, really creepy drawings that they had in here. Um, throughout his journey, deshi has like a series of nightmares because he's plagued with do I kill this girl or not and he's having terrible dreams while they're on the road and the book is filled with like pages of just these horrible yet gorgeous uh like imagery of the girl passing away and her spirit moving into the afterlife and you know the brother coming to get her and it turns out the brother was a real piece of work and she's miserable for you know in life and then in the afterlife and just throws him into a whirlwind. But anyway, um, if you want to read something that is, it's a love story surrounded by, unfortunately, passings of of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there's lots of double crossing and uh, it's an adventure. And I, I highly, highly recommend it if you've got some, uh, some extra scratch for yourself and you want to read something really, really unique and very uh, oddly moving in, in a lot of ways that'll make you... Uh, Make you think about what you would do for family and what you would do uh, for love. So um, that's The Undertaking of Lily Chen from Nov Navgorodov. All right. Yeah. I love that last name. Cool. Yeah, and absolutely.
3: You'll you, you remember this when I die in a couple of weeks, you know, that you can <laughs> go kill someone for me, will you? Yeah. Uh, well, if I keep walking into stuff. You never know what's going to happen.
0: I would kill for you, Bob. Oh, thank you. I would. I wouldn't
2: the, kill for you. <laughs> um, <I laughs> Good would, for you too. I would try to stop someone from killing
0: you.
3: <laughs> okay. If that is it, that's any consolation,
2: <laughs> I'll
3: take care of it. Bob, okay. You and me. You guys have to arm wrestle over this. <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. yeah. There you go. But,
2: um. Uh, wonderful book though. Awesome. Awesome. It's so funny that uh, I had to look up the name of the artist for the scary stories thing because it was in my head once you started talking about it. Stephen Gamel is the name of the artist, okay. and then, oh. um, this is
0: all I could think about when I when I got to those pages. There's a lot freaking, of them
2: too. Freaking scary stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah I mean it's it's a little bit more the watercolor makes it a little bit more majestic right than that I mean the artwork for this book is just absolutely gorgeous the Mm -hmm. the color palettes and everything but um yeah I horrible horrible like right here like right Mm -hmm. come on tell me that doesn't remind me yeah no it does definitely yeah very cool yeah and you know there's almost like like a like a mind journey that that he goes on and just I don't know Lots and lots of really cool things, very cool presentation, and the idea that it revolves around something that exists and they're 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 taking this you know phenomenon or this tradition and spinning it into this really cool story um highly enjoyable. I read this all in one shot, uh, I couldn't put it down awesome,
2: yeah, awesome, all right, so the undertaking of Lily Chen and uh Alex and Ada number ten, yeah, all right, so on my books of the week here um. So one of which is Superior Iron Man number one, mm-hmm. um, written by Tom Taylor, and now it's my turn for a very difficult artist name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Yildere Sinar is the is the artist, mm-hmm. uh, colored by Guru EFX um, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Um, so uh, this is another spinning out of Axis book um, where Tony. I was one of the people altered by the hate wave, I guess from red (laughs) skull and, (laughs) and was thought to be restored, but in fact was just pretending to be restored because he wanted to stay this sort of, and what, what he what kind of is, is he's kind of Tony before he got abducted, you know, he's, Ah. he's, you know, selfish and, brash and greedy and rude and you know not very heroic right he, he, he but he but he has all of the tech and all of the iron man you know stuff to go along with him and he now lives in san francisco and what he does is he gives them all he gives everyone in san francisco for free on their phones um this this app which is uh The extremist, I think it's like it's 3.0 and it makes everybody their their best selves. Everybody perfect and beautiful and healthy. Um, But he has a very kind of nefarious plan Um. for what to do with it um, to make him some money. So uh, it it begins with a a battle with the teen abomination, which he makes (laughs) fun of his name to no end. Yeah. Because why would you pick a name that has to deal with age? What happens when you turn 20? Um, (laughs) Yeah. but you know there's the opening is very reminiscent of you know lots of iron man stuff that we've seen in the movies especially in iron man three there's this kind of not in the suit fighting stuff that he's doing some she hulk in this book and then we go to kind of what tony is doing um seemingly kind of tony stark stuff but then it becomes more and more kind of sinister as the book goes along of all kind of the relaunched um avengers book this was the one that i'd say i was probably the least interested in to be to be honest with you um I've always wanted to get into reading an Iron Man book, uh, mm. but when we first started this, we were near the end of Fractions Run, right? So I, 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 I wasn't, I felt like intimidated to jump into it, and then I didn't care for the Gillen stuff very much, so I was, I was skeptical in that way. Also skeptical because like I, I don't know if I want to see Tony being this way, but then reading it, I'd say that it was sort of a, it was a nice change up. You know, I don't know how long it's gonna last. But it 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 was it was a nice. I couldn't predict what was going to happen in the book oh. because of the fact that Tony is not acting like the Tony we've known for, for all of the year, these years. And I'm sure this is going to change. I'm sure he'll go back to regular Tony. But um, it, it does have sort of you know similarities to Superior Spider-Man and the fact that it is Tony, but he's not the Tony everyone knows. But he's still sort of putting up the act and. Sort of trying to fool people, but not really. He, but he, he just he's he's not full out nasty to everyone because he still wants people to think that he's you know Tony Stark and, and Iron Man. I thought the art was gorgeous. I d- I didn't really expect anything. I didn't know the artist at all, and it was really really nice stuff. Good with the action. Good with the the personal moments. Um, I really really enjoyed it, and I and enough for it to be in my book of the week. I, I think it's something that if people are interested at all in the idea of this, check out. And just even if just to give it a fly, just send the three ninety nine and see if you like it. Because I, I end up really liking, it, expecting not to really care about it at all.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's sort of an outgrowth of. He's pretty jerky in New Avengers. Yeah, the he whole is. Illuminati yeah, stuff. So, if you take that next step, you mm-hmm. just twist that a little bit, and yeah. sort of forty five degrees more. He could be, auto.
2: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Ooh, it's Daredevil. Yeah, there's some Daredevil oh, yeah. in here yeah. as well, and that kind of happens near the end when when. Um, when Tony kind of reveals his actual plan, um, Daredevil kind of enters the fray. But Steve, I know this was going to be on your lightning round. Yeah, what what did you think of it?
0: I really I I really enjoyed it. I didn't just like you. I didn't expect to. Um, I once I heard Tom Taylor was on the book. I think I heard like the night before he was mm. tweeting about it, and I just it finally clicked in my brain that he was the writer. And I've been really enjoying uh, Injustice, mm. so I was like, if you're that good at writing, you know, a villain based book of of characters behaving unlike themselves and now you're doing it with iron man and i haven't been reading any iron man stuff i'm gonna check it out mm-hmm. you know and uh yeah I, I i dig where it's going like you said i like watching him behave differently than i've been reading him for the last three years and whatever books he's popped up in mm-hmm. and uh i think the the implications or just what he's doing in the book i don't want to spoil anything but his plot and his kind of his aim with the app is really really cruel yeah it it's is like very cruel. super cruel especially mm-hmm. where he makes it available because mm-hmm. you know you just came from there yeah and you know i'm not labeling california or anything but there are a lot of beautiful mm-hmm. people there yes and you know like they discuss it in the book you're taking an app that brings out the best of you or makes you beautiful, whatever the people that can't afford that app that don't have access to it. They're left out in the wind. Mm. And then you create a situation where you have segregation between, you know, we already have that, Mm -hmm. the beautiful people versus, you know, everyone else. Mm. And to see it in comic book form and written in such a nasty tone. And I just, I just think it's cool.
1: Mm.
0: Like you were talking about social experiments earlier and things like that. And I just, I really like the concept that he's playing with uh, in regard to the app and what his his goal is with it. I can't wait to see what other, you know, things he's going to invent with that level of intelligence and then being kind of a dick, you hmm. know, sky's the limit for that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. And I haven't been reading Avengers or New Avengers recently. So the last page, I have no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> no idea at all. Uh, Saying in in the Marvel world, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man number nine, which is the Spider Verse Part One, officially though I feel like we've been in the Spider Verse for a very long time yeah. already. Uh, it's funny I've been reading the Spider Verse books and but I've been behind on the Amazing Spider-Man series in itself. Oh really? Like three or four issues behind. Uh, and I, and I but I didn't want to wait to read this when I got back, so I just read this. And I'll say that even not having read the last probably maybe six issues actually. It was really easy to get into and to know what was going on mm-hmm. if you just know what the Spider Verse thing is about. Um, f- I will say, first off, uh, I-, I look, I-, I think that the, the staple of Spider Man artists are great. Humberto Ramos is great. I think Ryan Segman is great. Mm-hmm. I think even kind of like the, the fill in, Humberto Herber- Ramos's, like Joseph Camoncoli and stuff like that, are all really good artists and they, they serve the story very, very well. Mm-hmm. Olivier Copiel is a step up from just about any artist that that works. So the way the book looks is absolutely fucking gorgeous. It is a gorgeous book to look at. You know, it is one of the best-looking Spider-Man books I've ever seen. Um really amazing stuff as far as the visuals go. Uh you know, and with him doing that and Justin Ponser doing the colors, you know, this is like the people who would do you know, infinity or one of like the really big, huge events. So it's cool to see the Spider-Man story getting sort of that treatment. Um, And I think it works very well here because all these different Spider-Man, I think uh, the Coppola style is is perfect. And I mean, I love, you know, we've been dealing with, with a bunch of issues already and and a bunch of spinoffs and tie-ins, but it's just really cool. Every time, like a new Spider Man pops up and they label them and they, they jump in. Um, Spider Ham is great here. Yeah. <laughs> they, they almost make him sort of like rocket raccoonish in, in, in the way that he mm. is. Um, but he is great. Um, you know, Spider Girl's great in this, uh, Spider Woman's great. Uh, you know, I, I love the the emphasis they're putting on Kane, the Scarlet Spider. I think that's really cool. Um, the, when Gwen Stacy pops in and says, Gwen Stacy, Spider-Woman of Earth 66, your new favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really, really cool. I think the whole giant idea with the, the web and uh, yeah. universes and stuff and yeah. Moreland and, and, and his brothers, all of that stuff I, I think is, is really interesting and cool. And, and it's a great mix between being really serious and really epic and also really silly at, at, at times, and I really like that that, that it has both of those things going on in it. Yeah, because um, the it's is brutal. Like it's about this guy, these people going around killing Spider-Man.
0: They're doing a really good job of building that family of villains mm. all throughout the Spider the Spider Verse stuff. Did you read that quick uh, Spider Verse six part thing that came out this past week?
2: uh no okay there's a oh the anthology thing yeah yeah no i didn't read it
0: there's i mean you're talking about cool spiders showing up there's one that i would be very did you read it bob Mm -mm. okay there's one in there for you uh she's a steampunk version (laughs) of uh, um spider-man her name is lady spider and she's a detective style spider-man set in a steampunk universe fantastic Mm. absolutely fantastic i want more like spiders from this are popping up that i want to see solo books, even if it's like a four parter mm-hmm. or something like that with them, I'm hoping that we don't just get them all together to do this event and then let them go. That maybe some of them will stick around or mm. they will be fan favorites like the Gwen Stacy, uh, spider character that will then go on to do their own things.
2: Yeah. But it was, it's really great. I mean, it's a great start to, to this thing and, uh, it's managed to not be exhausting or daunting, even though there is a lot of stuff. Um, and that is that is centralized because in this book, in this this part, yes, you, it can be amplified by the other books that that surround it. But Dan Slott has written a book here that you don't need to be reading all that other yeah, stuff to like. You know, th- there is a lot to like here. It's beautiful to look at. You know, you have your central character of Peter, um, who's just as strong as he always is. And I think he knows that there's people going to be reading this book who have been reading other stuff because you get a reintroduction to Silk, who I mean. So I don't even know anything about her. Yeah. So, I, but I got a lot about her in just this, in this one issue. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to, to this whole mm-hmm. run and, and and this whole uh, event yeah. in, in the Spider World. Well, she came out of Original Sin, right? She was the one. She was the other person that mm-hmm. got bit by the spider. Right. Yeah. No, okay. I knew that. Okay. I knew who she was, but I haven't read anything like with her she's very cool yeah
0: i hope that when the spider woman series comes out that uh they do her some justice Mm -hmm. and really kind of expand her character i think she could be a lot of fun
3: we'll know later today yeah it's true true. that comes comes out out
0: today Mm -hmm. well how do you like that
3: are you
2: excited about that mara
4: i haven't been reading it
2: well no spider Uh, woman uh yeah
4: (laughs) uh i don't want to get too excited (laughs) like i'm a little bit afraid I don't want to get my hopes up too much. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah. Well, I know you, you hold a forever grudge against Brian Michael yes, Bendis and Alex I Believe for stopping writing that series. So I do. <laughs> I, don't,
4: I don't, There's a lot of, I, I don't know if politics is the word, but there's there's a lot of extra stuff going on with that Spider-Woman series as far as like having Greg Land on the art and then having Milo Manara, is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing a variant cover, and then you know people weighing in. I'm just, you know, I'm I, I'm worried. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't I don't have high expectations for that series, but I I am picking up the first issue.
0: Yeah, yeah there's quite
2: a bit of negativity surrounding
4: uh, right the book. from the beginning. Yeah, it
2: even, yeah, it hasn't even come out yet. Yeah, well, I mean that variant cover did a lot. It to, did. To, yeah, to, to which is really unfortunate. <laughs> yes, it's unfortunate for you know Dennis Hopeless and it's, it's Hopeless, right? Is the writer? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and even for Greg Land, who's not even an artist I like, it, it's it's unfortunate for both of them because it was neither of their fault, you know? Right. right. I mean, Greg Land is not known for his great depictions of women right. as it is, but that cover definitely, I think, put a shadow over the book. For its probably biggest audience, it, it hurt it a lot. Yeah.
3: It's gonna, how many? Oh, am ahead, oh, Go, go, on, go. On.
0: go, on, go on. No, I was just going to say, it's going to be one of those books that unfortunately is going to have like a built-in scrutiny to it. Yeah.
3: Right. I hope it's good. Yeah, look, Dennis Hopeless tried to apologize. Yeah. for something he had no reason to apologize for. Yes, it wasn't exactly. his choice to hire that guy, yeah. which was the boneheaded mistake of the year by yeah. Marvel. Yeah, and he says, "No, this is not how we represent this character. You're going to love what we do, and mm-hmm. it's probably too later.
2: Well, we'll see. I mean, if the book is good, I think it'll be. It, it'll, that's what will matter. Yeah, and if it's another strong um, female-led book from Marvel, I, I think that people will respond to it in kind. But it. It's weird because we've had, for the most part, very positive inroads to all those series Mm -hmm. that that have premiered in the last couple of years, and this is the first one where I feel like people are worried, you know, about what's what's going to be coming. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, But we're gonna take a little break. We're gonna come back, and we're gonna talk about some news that we missed, including DC's convergence and some sales numbers. We are back. We're here to talk about some big, big news that happened while we were on our little hiatus. Um, DC announced their next big uh, event for the company, and it coincides directly with uh, the final changeover uh, from DC moving from New York to Los Angeles. So it allows... I, I think it's prime. I think the, the non-creative impetus is to allow a break for all of that going on, in and so have the mm-hmm. non-traditional books coming out. But what convergence is, if you guys haven't heard about it now, and I'm gonna read right off an art- IGN article uh, about it that they and. It was also it was premiered in USA Today. Um, it will feature a plot by the villain Brainiac, who has decided to conduct a great experiment by taking all of the cities he has bottled from various timelines and planets to a planet outside of time and space and then open them up to see what happens when all of the inhabitants meet. Uh, a new vi- villain named Telos, Greek for end or goal, will also play a part. Um, USA Today asked about characters and events from the pre-New 52 universe. Jim Lee said, what we're really addressing is they all exist and have existed and exist within the framework of the new 52 new 52 convergence is in many ways the most meta epic we've ever done um so they've also announced um some tie-ins as well which we'll talk about in a moment but the the story is written by jeff king who is a veteran tv writer uh known for stargate sg1 white collar and continuum and art by carlo uh very hard names today carlo Pagulayan, and Stephen. He was doing Segovia. Yeah, Segovia yeah, was great. Yes. Um, so th- this, so this is the, this is the next big DC thing. It's going to happen. In, uh, I believe it starts in April. Yeah, I believe. Um, and the the convergence level will be a nine part series. Mm-hmm. I think is what they said. With uh,
3: I think it's forty total. Because right, there are ten two part miniseries.
2: Yes. Uh, the core series is, is one through eight. Um, and forty two two-part miniseries launched to coincide with yeah. them. Uh, now, none of DC's regular books will be published during this time. Wow. So you're not adding mm-hmm. extra books to your DC Hall. These are kind of replacing what your DC Hall m- may be during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is all because of their move over and, and, and to help deal with that stuff. They 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 went into, the, into this kind of event. And, and now... Um, we we've talked a lot about events recently and how we're, how we're, we're tired of them. Um, and, and so initially when I, when I saw the words in the new DC event and I heard the 40, the 40 part, mm-hmm. the 40 parts and the eight parts, I was initially put off by it. Then after reading it, I, I think that it's doing some kind of fascinating things. I think by bringing back certain creators to work on characters, they don't work on anymore by taking all of these universes and smashing them together I think you can you can make for some interesting stuff. I mean, Bob, what do you think about this?
3: Well, coming off of Grant Morrison's multiversity, where mm-hmm. we're starting to reinvestigate these corners that seem to have been closed off, I'm excited at a certain level. I would love that some of these characters, as we're talking about with the Spider-Verse, that some become popular enough that people say, hey, we want to read more of this, and so my goal for all this time was talking about the old 52 being around mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe this can be—I find it fascinating, though, this uh, whole—in the solicits, it's all about under the dome and a year away and so on and so forth. There's a whole lot of attacking going on. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of carnage, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking. So I'm I'm a little little off-put by that. I I find it an interesting metaphor that the— Flashpoint characters are the ones doing all the attacking, and they're attacking the old Fifty Two (laughs) characters. It is it is very much as if, "Hey, you want meta? We'll show you meta." This is why we were thinking about even when we were doing it. Yeah, I'm going to give this a try. I love a lot of these characters. Now that said, the first ten that they have solicited, there are only two creators who had business with the characters before Mm -hmm. Dan Juergens with actually three it's Dan Juergens on Superman uh, Gail Simone doing Nightwing Oracle and Greg Rucka doing a question yeah which I mean those are big
2: if if it was just those three things specifically those two things the Gail Simone Oracle stuff and the Greg Rucka question stuff Mm -hmm. would be enough for me I I think it it makes those the whole thing worthwhile to me to see those those creators working with those characters again Um, I agree with you too I, I what I like about this is that it's weird. I like that it's weird. I like that it's not it's not kind of the standard world in danger, you know, art world in danger, heroes band together, they fight some big evil or at first they fight each other and then they fight some big evil, whatever it might be. Any any of those things. It's some weird you know seems like it seems very i don't know like it seems very 80s 70s yeah. to me and i i think that's very cool i like that it's that it, it's doing something weird and i, I, I first i was put off by the 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 writer cuz i think it's weird to me that they're doing this big of an event and one of their heavyweights isn't writing the the, mm-hmm. the book that doesn't mean that jeff king is not going to be a, a great at it you know he he's done great tv that doesn't mean he can't write a great comic but it 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 feels odd to me that it's not jeff johns for instance or grant morrison or something like that someone who we've worked in this milieu before maybe they're involved in other stuff and maybe they're part of this big move or whatever grant morrison's still gonna be doing multiversity whatever it might be but it feels weird to me that one of those guys isn't the lead on hmm. uh, on the series um mar do you get a chance to kind of check this out and see what it was all about <laughs> wow Tell us
4: <That's
0: laughs> how have, you really feel mara
4: i have no idea what's going on <laughs> <laughs> I am so I've been out of it for almost every crossover and like I didn't read original sin I didn't I have, I don't know what axis is even about mm-hmm. and I didn't even know what convergence was until I got the text from Bobby like 3 hours <laughs> ago. Hey, we're going to be talking about convergence tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and I I'm so confused like what so this is like pre-new 52 stories. Yeah, told within current New Fifty Two, in a way that makes everything work.
2: Supposedly, yes. Yeah. yes. So there's even there's even stuff that's like Elseworlds stuff and everything. It, it's the, the the idea of it is Brainiac kind of, its character Brainiac takes all of these disparate universes and and in the multiverse and kind of smashes them together in one place and says like go at it, you know, basically. Sort of
3: like Secret Wars.
2: Sort of like Secret Wars, yeah. yeah it's, it's very similar to Secret Wars, yeah. I
4: don't, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> I don't know if I am physically up for this kind of story. Hmm. Like, it just seems too convoluted and confusing, and I can't imagine being even a new reader coming into this. You I mean, you have no idea. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm reading like a newsarama, you know. Frequently asked questions about convergence, and I'm like, they don't know what's going <laughs> on. I, I may set this one out. To be honest, I mean, I I've gotten to the point. I'm maybe I'm set in my ways now, but I want a story that doesn't have to be over the top and pull in a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, Although I am I am excited about the Stephanie Brown thing.
2: Yeah, the Stephanie Brown Batgirl book. Um, two-parter written by um, Eliza Quitney, uh, or by Rick Leonardi and Mark Pennington. Um, so Stephanie Brown, not sure if she wants to be Batgirl anymore, but when Flashpoint Catman attacks, Red Robin and Black <laughs> Bat See, that's what- call her back into service. See, too much attacking. <laughs>
4: Ugh, man, if it was just Stephanie Brown eating waffles, I would buy it. But as soon as you threw it, like I can't. Can't move on with that.
2: Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm
4: I, I, honestly, I I may just set this one out unless, like, a couple of days after the issue comes out and someone says, "Oh, this one was really good. You actually should read it." Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to be. I'm. Um, I don't know. This is this isn't my thing, guys. This isn't my <laughs> thing. It's not mine either. It's for I'm, other people. <laughs> yeah. I'll try that
3: first issue of Convergence, mm. and I will follow the creators that I enjoy and yeah. see what goes from there. And s- you never know. Yeah. Um, Steve, what do you think
2: about this whole thing? Well, let me ask you a question
3: first.
0: Yes. Okay. Lay it on me.
2: I'm a little confused. Okay. <laughs> Every- everyone is. Yeah. <laughs> was, like,
0: listening to you read that thing. <laughs> yeah. So what you're telling me is for nine months, the regular books that I buy, Catwoman, Batman. No, no, two months. Two months. Two months. Two months. Two months. So where weeks. did I get nine?
3: Nine weeks. Nine weeks. Nine weeks.
0: I thought I heard nine months. No, nine weeks. <sighs> <sighs>
4: Yeah, yeah, nine that's a weeks. little, it's Not a little better. On
0: yeah, yeah. I was like, it's nine gonna weeks. take them nine months to re-go. No, like, no. What are you taking the hobo train? No. Like, what's going <laughs> on here? <laughs> okay, so two months. That's two months. that's a little bit more realistic. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing. I have been so proven wrong by DC when it comes to their events. My my enthusiasm for things in the past, st- stuff like Forever Evil. um Throne of Atlantis. I mean, Mm -hmm. even though I was always enjoying Aquaman, like I always go back to that Throne of... Throne of Atlantis is one of the best things that I've ever read. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, bringing in the Justice League into that. I mean, that thing was just awesome. Um, I am interested in this because it seems like... I mean, I don't know what Secret Wars is going to be. I mean, that's probably a big synopsis for that too, Mm -hmm. but um, Multiversity too. Like Multiversity kind of, I guess, eased me into the idea of these... Wacky worlds being thrown together and expected to kind of make it work. And this sounds like doing that again, but on a much grander scale. Instead of it being like a standalone presentation from Grant Morrison, this is a universe wide event that's pretty much going to put the brakes on other storylines and other things to mm. do this, you know, like Mars had this convoluted presentation of a story. But Going off of Forever Evil and and things like that, DC has proven to be even something like um, Batman Eternal. Like I've, I brought it up earlier. Batman Eternal is awesome. It really is awesome. I've chosen to read it in chunks, and now I'm caught up again, and I'm reading it issue to issue. I find reading it in chunks to be far better. Um, but it's so bizarre, and everyone's involved, and every little corner of Gotham and stuff is just... You know, in peril, and it's super engaging, and you see weird team ups, and it's just really, really entertaining and really fast paced. Mm-hmm. Now they're gonna do this giant event where they're taking all of these weird worlds and they're smashing them together and kind of sticking them in one spot to see what happens. It's like Briniac is playing God, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so I'm, I'm actually super interested in that, and I'm, I'm actually. Instead of going on the defensive, I'm going to go uh, into the positive with this and say that I'm definitely going to check it out because, like I said, DC has constantly impressed me uh, throughout these last three years with their events specifically.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what I'll say too, is that I always enjoy DC events more than I enjoy Marvel events. So I think they do it in a really cool way. This is obviously very different. It's, it's, It's changing their entire release schedule and everything, so... It's a little more upsetting of the apple cart than I think they normally do in their event structures. But even saying that, like Steve was saying, I think that they, they pull it off better, in my opinion. Um, I just want to read out some of the other titles. I mean, you mentioned Superman by Dan Juergens, artists, Art by Lee Weeks, uh, Dan Jurgens, and Norm Rapmund. Uh, the Atom by Tom Pear with Art by Stephen Yowl and Andy Owens. Uh, that's Ray Palmer. Uh, Adam uh, Batgirl oh, Ryan
3: Choi's in there too
2: Yeah yes Ryan yeah. is in there as well uh, We mentioned the Batgirl book um, In the Superman book He's wearing the red trunks And he's married to Lois And she's pregnant yeah. So there, The very Pre-52 stuff Going on there uh, The Nightwing Oracle Which we mentioned uh, As well Gail Simone uh, Dan Do du- Dur-Sima. Dursima and Dan Parsons are for that. Um, Speed Force which deals with uh, the Flashes uh, Tony Bedard, uh, Tony, Tom Grummet and Sean Parsons on the art there. Titans by Fabian Nikienza uh, art by Ron Wagner and Joe Marzan Justice League by Frank Thierry with art by Vincent Cifuentes. Cifu- Question by Greg Rucka, art by Cully Hammer Batman and Robin, Ron Mars artist De- Dennis Cowan and Klaus Jansen Harley Quinn, uh, Steve Pugh is writing it. Yeah. artist from all new invaders and it was animal man as well art by Phil Winslade and John Dell. Um, those are, those are announced. They also announced a couple more today as, as well. Um, oh. Kingdom come is going to be coming hmm. back as well. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to try out the other ones too, cause I lost that story here. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting. I, I think that it could be something awesome. Um, you know, I'm worried. I do worry that if it's not good, it's the only thing happening at the company for the for those two months, so mm, it's true. I'm worried about it putting me off from you know other stuff. There are other lines of stuff that that would be bad. Um, it sucks that Batman's not going to be coming out for two months. It sucks that Batgirl won't be coming out for two months. Uh, Gotham Academy, you know, all those things. Mm. That I think is a little bit bothersome, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, if it was going to happen, it seems like an interesting way to go about it. What is? But okay they're doing this event and it's going to last for 2 months.
0: What is we obviously we don't know what the end result is going to be, but do they have a goal for the fallout or the aftermath of it? Cuz if you're going to introduce people to a series of new, you know, new titles and new creators and stuff for 2 months and then you're going to go back to what you were doing before, mm-hmm. it just I mean, you want to talk about jarring or or alienating readership that if people jump onto this event thinking that it's a way to get into the DC universe and then they come to find out one month out that those stories and those characters are once again being taken away from them I mean, maybe a few of them will survive by some weird comic book explanation but I don't know it seems it's weird
2: it's very weird but this is also something that DC is kind of known for doing these bringing in characters and and excusing them very quickly is not something they haven't done before so no,
3: Very true, but here we are looking at that disruption in everyone's reading habits in between and if you gain some new people and then show mm-hmm. them the door basically you kill off these characters a second time for some of us, third time for even others there mm-hmm. yeah, could be some flashback and that could be interesting how that all plays itself out. I, I think you could gain some readership here. People might stay through books they're really enjoying I think some of the questionable ones are going to find themselves canceled mm-hmm. yeah if they make it replaced by 10 of these yeah, yeah. i mean there's a potential for for a there's a huge potential for loss of readership
0: you know mm-hmm. something like batgirl that's really selling you know big right now and it's on you know everybody's lips and everybody's tweeting about and talking about and stuff like that you take that book away from people for two months you Having know they only
3: put out three
0: leading right. into it that right. could be just yeah. the excuse for people to either trade weight or you know, oh, I was away from it for a little bit and you know, it was I don't high. really, yeah, I don't really remember it being that, that great mo- momentum. Yes. You know, yeah. You lose
4: that momentum and then people are off of it.
0: Right, like we were just talking about like the the new big back direction mm-hmm. with, you know, Arkham Manor and Batgirl and you know, all this great stuff coming out of that and DC seems to be, you know, establishing this little corner of their of their company and their label that's really catering to people that are looking for something a little bit lighter maybe if it's not everybody's cup of tea they now have a broader spectrum in their library and then all of a sudden you're going to throw something you know really bizarre and out of out of context and out of continuity for for two months people people's way and then expect them to Mm -hmm. kind of understand what it is and hang around you know you know we really hope you enjoyed our little, you know, convergence break and, you know, now back to your regularly scheduled Batgirl. <laughs> and people are just, oh, well, you know, while you were doing that and I didn't feel like participating, I started reading this and
2: now mm-hmm.
0: this is going
2: to get my money instead. Right. I, you know, I, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, DC is yeah. number before. I mean, when 52 came out, they were doing similar things. They were, they were eschewing a lot of books to do this series. Mm-hmm. So... It, we'll, we'll see what happens with that The other s- series they announced, they announced Superboy uh, Miniseries Fabian Nicchenza again on, on, on writing It's this Connell Superboy um, He's battling against the Superman of Kingdom Come uh, Catwoman uh, ri- Written by Justin Gray Art by Ron Ranald And color by Gabe uh, Elteb um, So let's see She's interacting with Kingdom Come Batman There's a lot of Kingdom Come crossovers okay. in this one uh, Green Arrow written by Christy Marks Art by Rag Morales and Claude St. Aubin. Oliver Queen meets Connor Hawk for the first time, but is he ready to hand over the Green Arrow mantle to his son? Uh, Suicide Squad, Frank Thierry, Tom Mandrake. Um, let's see, we got Batman Shadow of the Bat, which is written by Larry Hama.
1: Wow. <laughs>
2: yeah, G.I. Joe fame. Yeah. Um, art by Philip Tam and Jason Paz. Um, it's a, this This is a Batman and Asriel uh, teaming up. Uh, Superman Man of Steel, written by Louise Simonson. Yeah, artists uh, June Brigman and Roy Richardson. Wow, the
3: Power Pack team.
2: Uh, Metropolis was taken when Superman was missing, so it's up to Steel to guard the city from the heroes of Gen 13 in his absence. Uh, Justice League International, written by Ron Mars. Um, The levity of the JLI team collides with the severity of the world of Kingdom Come. (laughs) Um, Supergirl Matrix, which is written by Keith Giffen, artist by uh, uh, Raymond Box. Uh, What do Supergirl, Lady Quark, and Ambush Bug have in common? Well, nothing really, but that didn't stop us from sticking them together in a story. So you are you are yeah. so welcome. That's, that's what it that's says. Keith Giffen, yeah, it's actually a cool <laughs> yeah. pitch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony Bedard's writing uh, Aquaman with uh, the missing hand. Oh, more the Peter David stuff. Um,
3: yeah, his, he did that Supergirl, too. Yeah, for his long run there and
2: Green Lantern Parallax. Uh, Tony Bedard, uh, Kyle Rayner story um, when when Hal Jordan was Parallax. So those are the ones
3: they have announced. <laughs> what?
2: Yeah, Hal Jordan was Parallax for a while in the DC Universe. I, I missed
3: It Blew some stuff up. Yeah,
2: for a long time, he destroyed his city and then he went like crazy. What a jerk!
3: Yeah, and then he a became jerk. the Spectre. Yeah, <laughs> wow. It wasn't until Where were you? It wasn't
2: until 2004, <laughs> Jeff Johns brought him, Hal Jordan back as Green Lantern. Rebirth, right. that's Rebirth. what I've read.
0: I've read the the Jeff Johns, and then I read um, Blackest Night. That's, yeah, that's about it on my Green Lantern.
2: Yeah, so in Rebirth, he brought him back. He did the same thing. He brought Barry Allen back too, as the yep. as the as the Flash, because mm. Barry Allen was dead since 1980 yeah,
3: Crisis. I read one. that. A, that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, 86.
2: 86. Oh, I thought it was earlier than that. Um, but still, long time to be yeah. gone. But almost, I think it was about 20 years he was gone. So, mm-hmm. I think it was like 2005, 2006. They brought him back. So uh, Barry. <laughs> so yeah. So that's the convergence. Um, I think all the the fears and stuff that you were talking about, Steve. I think are are. are are very founded. and I think that's a, a definite, real thing for them to be worried about. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think that if it's great, then yeah. that'll be great for them. And yeah, and it, it's I like I said, I like that it's weird. I'm happy that it's weird. Mm-hmm. Maybe that we get to see Greg. Greg the fact that Greg is writing Rene Montoya again is a really fantastic thing. Yeah. Um. And, and like I said, and Gail Simone getting to write Oracle, Oracle again. Right. Really, I mean, really awesome. what I
0: was talking about before is completely situational. Oh yeah, totally. You, know, you have people I I mean I I spoke a lot about the people that might drop off, but there's also a lot of people that are dedicated and do love those characters and they're gonna stick it out and they're gonna come back and all that stuff. You know, so all the power to them. Mm -hmm. I just I'm worried about the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, totally what it could mean for sales and what it could mean for the survivability of certain characters in certain series. Mm -hmm. In a in a market where things do get cancelled rather quickly. You know, rather than take the risk, they tend to to cut them loose. Yeah, I would hate to see something like that. Being two months away is a long time in comics.
2: Yeah, it is absolutely. Um, all right, so another story we have to talk about. <laughs> You're not going to make me cry. on I'm going to make are you, are you cry, but I, Bob, I think you, I think you've gone into a different state of uh, <laughs> of acceptance with with the situation. So, um, I, I I often feel like. Um, when people talk about a Fantastic Four movie, whether it be actors in it or the director or the writer or anyone at Fox, it, they say things specifically make people furious i think I feel so it has to be intentional because they have they, they can't be tone deaf to to mm-hmm. what's happening um but this was um the actor who's playing uh Doctor. Doom in the new movie um his name is toby Toby Kebble. Um, And this is a quote from him. He says, he's Victor Dumashev, not Victor Von Doom in our story. The Doom in ours, I'm a programmer, very antisocial programmer, and on blogging sites, I'm Doom. Kill me now. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> yeah. so, kill me now. so what he's basically saying is Dr. Doom is anti social programmer who...
3: Lives in, in his th- mother's basement?
2: Yeah, I don't know if he lives in his <laughs> mother's basement, but his name is Doom on the internet, and that's what he uses to exercise his rage on the internet is in forums and, and such. Yes. Reed.
3: he S- trolls read rich yeah. uh, social media. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: trolls a convenience store uh, website. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there. Some uh, one of our listeners sent me a really funny tweet with a picture, and it was an old Jack Kirby drawing of uh, <laughs> Doctor Doom, and in the, the the bubble it said, "Get me the network password." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, but yeah, so there we go. I mean. Every news item just gets it gets worse and worse. Yeah,
4: so stupid. No. Like I'm not scared of him at all.
3: Yeah, I mean it takes like I said this on Twitter,
2: it takes away what makes him special over other villains. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and what I mean, and when we when we first heard this cast announcement, what was going on? Obviously, Bob, you were very emotional about it. You talked mm-hmm. very heartfelt about it, and. For me now, like I, I'm usually pretty level-headed about this this movie stuff. I'm usually like, oh, we'll see what happens and whatever. And then after I see it, I'll arrange my announcement. But if this stuff is true, if he's not just like if he wasn't joking or effing or around or, or whatever, because um, we haven't heard any denying or confirms from Fox and uh, it doesn't seem to have clamped down very hard on this at all. So I, I don't know what that means either way. But mm-hmm. what it seems to me is all this stuff we heard now, this especially, this is a really big departure, right? It's not just changing the ages of the characters. It's not just slightly altering what the cosmic event is that gives them their powers. This is a huge change. And I was mentioning off the air before I, I, I happened to see it's probably the last like 30 minutes of the first Fantastic Four movie. It's horrible. And Dr. Doom is probably the worst thing about it. What they did to that character, everything they're talking about in this movie. If, if, Fox and Josh Trank and, and and whatever wanted to make a movie about four young people who became superheroes and they and their villain ended up being this antisocial programmer who, you know, in, in kind of his hacktivism or whatever, ends up becoming <laughs> a bad guy and he gets wrapped up and makes him superheroes. That's fine that's not what the Fantastic Four is no. if you don't want to make a Fantastic Four movie don't make a Fantastic Four movie that's what I understand about this like if you change everything about it it's no longer the Fantastic Four it's just a name you're putting on something so it will sell more tickets than if you made right. something original right. it right. is
3: it is Chronicle 2 right but they happen to own the the intellectual property yeah and so they're calling it Fantastic Four hoping to make 300 million dollars even mm-hmm. if it's terrible right <sighs> The idea that this has to be grounded. Right. Every every interview now, how grounded this is going to be. Darker the most grounded. The most ungrounded <laughs> comic book of all time yes. <laughs> is the Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> so how is it we take the, the brilliant cosmic ideas of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and all the great creators who followed mm-hmm. and turn it into this dreck? Mm-hmm. I if if I'm going to curse, I'm going to make sure I do it in Yiddish, folks. I will not. You will not. I will not break my rule here. But still, your what what really pains me the most is in my time here. We've had a lot of people decide that you know, despite their previous judgment about this series and these characters, to give it a try and go back through Stan and Jacks or John Burns or Hickmans or Fractions or Mark Wade's mm-hmm. or Steve Engelhart's, whatever. And they discover what it is. It's that family dynamic. It's the heroism. It's the the science fiction adventure of it. None of that is in any of these remarks that any of these people that are making this movie mm-hmm. have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am appalled and worse to the regular audience, to the civilian stiffs out there mm-hmm. who don't read the book and that's nearly everybody in America based on the sales of this thing, which is still not so bad at 30000 wherever it was when they canceled it. Their idea, as opposed to the Marvel movies, everyone has gotten to see and love Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America, and the Black Widow, and they're respectful to the comics' creations. They're on model. They're mm-hmm. updated, but they're recognizably the characters created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko even mm-hmm. the, the Spider-Man movies. This the for however many I don't know 40 million people go to see this mm-hmm. let's say for the sake of argument. This is going to be the fantastic four to them?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. That's what's really appalling to me. This is the the book that launched the Marvel Age of Comics and it's going to be represented by this mess. Now, I it was on John Byrne's website. Someone came up with a a neat little thing is—is is Trank actually the compressed version of Trainwreck? <laughs> oh my god! And so then someone posted an old steam locomotive running off the rails and bodies everywhere, and Trank. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so I, that, I'm going with that from now <laughs> on. And I like. Here's the thing: I like Chronicle.
2: I like Chronicle a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. If this was an original screenplay, original story, I'd be excited about it. Yes, I would too. Um, it, it's this weird thing. I mean,
4: Maro, what, what do you think about this? I'm married to a huge Fantastic Four fan, <laughs> and the past few months have been really stressful. <laughs> Between the canceling of the book and news links from the movie, um, I I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this movie. <sighs> uh, just, I mean, there's just... God. Why... I, I, like... <laughs> Like, okay, they, I think they would just be better off making a cartoon of Fantastic Four. Nice cartoon movie. Make it for kids. Make it for everyone, and leave this whole grounding in reality thing yeah. out of out of the conversation, and just leave it at that. Just I don't know. Yeah, I'm ha- not, I'm not happy.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I yeah, Steve. What do you think? All right, <laughs>
3: go for it, Steve.
2: <laughs> well we've seen
0: we're we're seeing it now like Adve- avengers 2 right age of ultron trailer and we're seeing now that tony stark is responsible for mm-hmm. ultron it's no longer hank Pym, mm-hmm. okay but in the trusted hands of joss whedon everybody collectively you know there was a little bit of groaning about it mm-hmm. for like a, an hour mm-hmm. and then you know reason came in and was like you know hey you know this is they're gonna do this and it makes sense it makes sense in the grand scheme of things in the progression of Tony Stark's character and what he's been doing in his own movies and in the Avengers and it's something that you can look at and you can go well yeah okay I I see the way what they're trying to do and they're trying to write it in is that you know what I I buy it I have an established you know base with these characters and I could see how it would maybe go this way Mm. so yeah let's do it so you have a situation where you were changing things ever so slightly to facilitate a sequel or a new franchise or, or a big mm. movie and whatever. Here, you've had nothing, nothing mm. but negativity, and changing not just like a thing here or there, not just changing the race of a character, you know. And that was that was you know a, a thing when that came out. But then now you have this Dumashev stuff. And you've got the actors and actresses saying that, you know, oh, well, you know, what do you think about playing Sue Storm? And, you know, oh, well, I, you know, I don't really know the character and I've I've chosen not to read the books. I was instructed not to read the books because I was instructed not to read the books because we don't want that to be our Fantastic Four. We were doing our own thing. I admire that frame of mind to an extent, but you were instructed not to learn about your character. That's a little weird to me. And then, you know, the uh, what's his face? Uh, Michael B. Jordan came out with the remark about the costumes and, you know, ah you know, we're not going to we're not going to do those cheesy jumpsuit things. We got something much cooler and much sleeker and much more, you know, agile or whatever, you know, ready to go. And it's going to blow your mind. And, you know, just the the disregard that they seem to have generally for the source material hurts. You know, I've only been a Fantastic Four fan for the past, maybe like coming up on three years. But in that time, I have established a, you know, growing respect for the family, where they came from, what they represent. And I just every time that I hear something new about this movie, I go back to the, you know, what a shame that this is not in the hands of Disney and Marvel, Mm -hmm. that they could have taken this. And make it and make you know, they have their their horror stuff coming out with Doctor Strange, they have their otherworldly stuff with Thor. And I know that, you know, the Avengers and some of these things are billed as family movies, but wouldn't it have been awesome if they could have taken the Fantastic Four and made like, you know, a journey into the unknown kind of picture, huge sci-fi epic like Guardians of the Galaxy, only it's a family. It's a mother and a father and their kids and their, you know, wacky dragon uncle or whatever, <laughs> and just made this really, really awesome world. And now families, we have a family film based on Marvel's first family. No, instead we have you know Josh Trank, who I like. I liked Chronicle a lot, and we have Fox, who I'm very lukewarm on. Pretty much everything that they've put out, I'm not a huge fan of the Xbox, the X Men movies. I liked maybe two of them, um, but they're putting out this completely different product that just like laughs in the face of of all of the the source material. And I don't understand. Like you said. If you're going to make this movie, just call it something else. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to take the Fantastic Four name and, in my mind, tarnish it like mm-hmm. this? Um, I just, there's nothing about the movie that gets me excited. The hacker thing seems really lame mm-hmm. to me. It seems like an obvious thing to do that there are a hundred other movies where there's some kind of hacker who's involved for some terrorist bullshit and it's up to, you know the top cop Mm -hmm. to take him down and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And now we have four of them and the four of them, uh, you know, when their powers combined, they're going to take down, you know, anonymous Mm because they're, you know, making the traffic lights do weird things or Mm -hmm. whatever the hell it is that he's going to do. Dr. Doom as a villain, one of the greatest villains in the Marvel universe. And you have this built in terror in this character, this scarred character who has, you know, vengeance upon vengeance for this family and you made him
2: like a dark version of JP from Grandma's Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Why the hell did you do that? Yeah. I mean, the thing no. about it too is like we're we're now I don't know we're seven months from the movie at this point or something like that, and we still haven't seen anything, and uh, that's weird. I mean, you usually have at least a teaser. It's gonna all be bullshit. At least so it's, it's images. <laughs> yeah. Here is the thing, like, a, a, and this is the problem, right? Because I mean for people who don't know the Fantastic 4 and they, if they watch the movie and if the movie is a good movie they might you might enjoy it but if you're looking at the comic book going public even if it's a good movie they're not going to enjoy it because it's not going to be a good Fantastic 4 movie and that's that's mm-hmm. the problem right yeah. um and I always talk about these adaptations all the time, right? The The Shining thing—it's a fantastic movie. It's a horrible adaptation of that book. Yeah, you know, um, it's still a great movie. Just every time I watch it, even though it's a great movie, I still have that thought in my head, and that's mm-hmm. going to happen, even if Josh Trank delivers a good movie, a good action movie, a, a fine, if, if, whether it's low-fi sci-fi or whatever it's going to be. When or what it is, no if Toby Kebbell is great at the role that he's playing—that they're calling Doctor Doom, but isn't Doctor Doom? You know, same thing with the, the rest of the cast playing their characters. That's fi- that's all fine and good. But it's going to come with a, th- a, a a thousand caveats and one right. huge one that this isn't the Fantastic Four. Every time you talk to your friend who's not a comic book fan, they ask you about the movie. Yeah. The first thing you're going to say is, that's not the way it is, like in the books.
0: I'll say yeah. this. I, you know, most recently, the, the best example that I can think of uh, regarding this and worried about what it's going to do for audiences is I did go and see the new Ninja Turtles movie mm-hmm. And, I mean, people can have enjoyed it and whatever. I th- personally thought that it was an abomination mm-hmm. of all... It's the worst movie I've seen this year. But I, when I went, you know, the audience was 80% kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the looks on their faces throughout the movie, the ones that were actually paying attention instead mm-hmm. of walking around the, the <laughs> inside the theater. But, like, it wasn't looks of joy. It wasn't... It was confusion, because they're all watching the Nickelodeon show, mm. which is fantastic mm-hmm. and it's funny and the, the brotherly aspect is all there better than it even was in the 90s cartoon right. mm-hmm. um, And then they went into the theater and what they got were you know four overgrown Hulk Transformers mm-hmm. and Michelangelo is a creeper <laughs> and that's what you got and the movie was awful and so much so much about it didn't make any sense and it doesn't reflect anything as as to to who they are outside of that movie mm-hmm. so impressionable people going to see this fantastic 4 movie they're not going to know who the fantastic 4 really are because mm-hmm. the people publishing that book are not publishing that those characters in that story mm-hmm. so that world is completely by itself
2: yeah
0: i just don't i just don't understand
2: well, what they're trying to do is they're reacting. We talked this a little bit when yeah. we talked about that. They're, they're reacting to those initial bad movies. Yeah. And they do not want the new movies to look anything like those movies.
3: Right. Now, here, yeah, I, I agree. You know, that's what they're doing. But the problem is the first two movies had, except for about 30 minutes at the end of the second one, yeah. and a couple of bits here and there mm. in, in the first one. They haven't done the Fantastic Four yet anyway. Oh, I know, so, I know, I know. So why not do the source material if, if you want to be edgy? Yeah. Do the Fantastic Four and how about let's do it the way they did first class and do it in the 60s? Yeah. Make mm-hmm. them the first family in the Fox universe of superheroes. Right. Instead of making what amounts to in the superhero movie world, this is the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. <laughs> it's this in name only with yeah. no real connection to what it's supposed to be and... Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Schweinerei, as
2: they say in German. It's uh, it's disturbing. It's 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 bothersome, and yeah. I, I I think it's going to end up hurting them. I I, I don't th- I think the opposite is going to happen. And I I, I it said it's not Twitter, Twitter this week, but it's um the, the the phrase grounded and realistic is quickly becoming my least favorite phrase in TV <laughs> and movies. Yeah. Uh, because look, if something is needs to be grounded and, and real, then it should be grounded and real. Mm-hmm. But if you but a movie called the Fantastic Four, the Fantastic Four, <laughs> the movie is called the Fantastic Four. It should not be grounded and, and real. It should be fantastic. it's in the name, you know. It's this, in the effing name of the movie. This is what I'm talking about. That's the problem. And, I, I, and it came out too because I read this story and then this is totally unrelated. But there's a story about that Scream TV show that's coming out where they said the mask is going to be made, made, made of flesh. Made of flesh. What? And they said it's going to be more realistic and grounded and organic.
4: Not everything has to be realistic, grounded, or organic. Sometimes no. we just want fantasy. Who wants to watch yeah. a
2: realistic and organic scream? Anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It, again, it's missing the point. And if, if, look, if you, if if you're Josh Trank or you're Fox, and you don't want to make a big, huge, fun superhero movie of the Fantastic Four, then don't make the movie but don't make another movie and call it that. You know, the, the, it seems so It because what it feels to me, like it feels to me, I feel like we're, it's 15 years ago again, yeah. where we're, we're, we're having to make excuses for why people do things and, and things can't be big and, and body. And I think they're trying to be different. They're trying to, they're trying to say like, maybe by the time this movie comes out or maybe we, we can be the other thing. Like we're not the, we're not trying to compete with, Iron Man and the Avengers and Thor because we can't compete with them you know so let's do something totally different and you know and and maybe we'll be the standout so they should have optioned the cape yeah they should have done something else but but the funny thing is like look their interpretation of the X-Men is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but they get more right with the X-Men than they get wrong. Especially considering how far back they began, 15 yes. years ago. Yes. Right. The, they, you know, there, there are things that that series has legacy problems that it, that it, from being a 15-year-old series that they have never really rebooted. But they, they know the characters. Hugh Jackman knows how to be Wolverine. He mm-hmm. gets it. You know? The, <laughs> he gets he it. He gets it. Yeah. <laughs> everyone they've gotten to play, both sets of actors they got to play Magneto and Professor Xavier, have been fantastic. And mm-hmm. they get those characters a hundred percent, and those are three of the most important characters in that in that entire universe. Absolutely, they they got things very wrong in some cases. You know, they, the, the way they finished Jean off was wrong. The way they treated Cyclops the entire series was wrong. But I, I think that they've done well with Beast in the, in the second half, of, uh, second life yeah. of the series. You know, they've done really well by Mystique, which bizarrely is big, like yeah. a really huge standout character. You know, I, I think that they get more right than they get wrong, and at least they're they're not ashamed of what they're doing. This feels like one of those things, like we're ashamed. It felt like, I remember when Daredevil was coming out and they're like, oh, the costume can't be red because that's not cool, you know? Mm -hmm. So we'll make it some weird black, Maroon, maroon thing so the really devil's like
3: this. in his name yeah Red, it just,
2: you know.
0: well let me ask you this because this actually the first thing that hit my mind mm-hmm. when you I saw your tweet about you know the grounded and yeah that I think word for word is exactly what they're saying about the Daredevil series coming out mm-hmm. so how do you feel about that
2: well they said it's darker they've said it's only it's darker it, it habits a darker grittier street level part of the Marvel universe which we haven't seen yet okay I think about Daredevil is As long as he's wearing a fucking red costume and he's blind and he has powers, he deals in a murkier area than Iron Man does or Captain America does. He deals in rainy alleys and he deals in hand-to-hand combat. He doesn't have super strength. He doesn't, you know, he's he's a lawyer in a shitty part of New York City. A- he's and, not
4: traveling the galaxy. He's not meeting alien right. races. He's in Hell's Kitchen. Right. He's oh, in yeah. Hell's
2: Kitchen. Yeah. He he he's not. He is not given his powers in, on his science bearing astronaut personal supposedly yes. funded astronaut mission. You know. He's he's not going through into the negative zone. I mean, he, he has. I'm sure oh. in his history in the comic books, but they're going for it in a way that I think makes sense. Right. And also, again, this is one of the things we trust what they're going to do. Because they haven't led us wrong yet, you know, and taking characters, making them street level makes sense.
3: Especially the slate of characters they announced. They're all the street level characters. Mm -hmm. When you take Luke Cage and Jessica and and even Iron Fist to a certain extent, once he teamed up with Luke, you're dealing with people who had New York City as a home and fought for the streets and Mm -hmm. the people in those streets. That's where they should be. Yeah. I. This is not that. Yeah. I mean, if you
2: look at the history of Daredevil as well as a comic book, it's pretty split down the middle between, you know, the the, the kind of Silver Age Daredevil and the kind of what Mark Way is doing now and that very street level, very rough stuff.
3: Yeah, the Miller right. stuff.
2: You look at Frank Miller, you look at Ed Brubaker, you look at Brian Michael Bendis, all of that stuff is like dark and gritty and we're on the streets in this kind of more of a, you know. I, it all kind of looks like the Rucka Punisher stuff, yeah. you know. That that's what you kind of imagine. Yeah. The Fantastic Four is not that at all, and, and, and I, and they haven't said it's going to be street level or anything like that. And again, we haven't seen an ounce of footage f- from the
3: film. Um, so weird. But uh, that yeah, is this a negative viral campaign? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, just how much crap can we pile up and get people really mad, and then we'll surprise them. And it'll be good. Yeah. I just feel like there's so much there's so much ill will towards
0: it already. Mm-hmm. Like universal ill will. I know there are a couple of people that are being optimistic and are holding out and saying, you know, oh I I admire them for, you know, doing something different. And yeah, you know, if they wanted to perhaps move things around a little bit to maybe tell a better version of the story that's been known for so long, okay, but you've just changed so much about this and there's so much negativity mm-hmm. and just bizarre decision making that you're not instilling confidence in those who are already shaken and you keep releasing more information that's doing more harm than good.
3: Yeah. Well, like, Where is where's the positive though? Mm-hmm. They are taking the fans of the book and comic fans in general who aren't even fans of the book but understand yeah. its history mm-hmm. and, you know, peeing in their cornflakes mm-hmm. at the breakfast table, in essence. And not releasing anything yeah. positively to the fans of chronicle Mm. or science fiction movies or action movies or anything else it really so you have nothing yeah to to base any sort of confidence on yeah well that's
0: it it reeks of of just not having very much confidence like if they were that worried it's seven months out something like that yeah okay you put out even if it's like a teaser you know like a minute and change and you just say you know boom here like this is what we're doing this is where we're going check this out you know you should be getting excited about this Mm -hmm. there's nothing like that
4: Mm -hmm. anywhere we've seen We even have set photos we've seen one like nothing official that got pulled down nothing official
0: yeah we saw like Mm -hmm. a bust of uh the top portion of the thing that wasn't even like a cgi rendering it was just a bust that they were working from Mm -hmm. so we Mm -hmm. haven't even
2: seen like the rough digital or anything like that yeah um, Mara, I know you, we've kind of we railroaded the conversation. Do you have anything else you want to say about this Fantastic Four situation?
4: I don't think I'm seeing it. I, I don't think I'm going to go see it, <laughs> to be honest. Well, and that's have, a comic you're book fan. See it. You're going to have to and hold And that's someone husband's who just hand. bought like, the Fantastic Four omnibus, the yeah. well, second yes. volume of Hickman's run. I mean, I'm I'm not going
2: to... They've already uh, lost me. I'm Mara, not what even if Mr. Gonna Wood be, wants to go see it, though? You're going to have to be there and support him. Do what? Your husband wants to go see it. You have to be there and support him.
4: I don't even think he wants to go see it, to be honest. Come on, he's
3: going to go see it. It's
4: called <laughs> he a answer answer he'll he'll go see it. He'll Wood, see it. Mr. Wood, yeah. That's
0: amazing. <laughs> yeah. Hello, I'm Mr. Wood.
3: Now, as I recall, Mara, didn't he propose using Fantastic Four Annual Number Three?
4: Yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Sharpening even- his
3: pitchfork. <laughs> Maybe he and I should go together. I'll bring I'll bring the tomatoes. He can bring the the rutabagas, and we'll just fire them at the screen for. Look. that, Did, that I, might be I,
4: the plan. Many comic book fans are having. Yeah.
3: No, I'm going to have a marathon of the Roger Corman version. <laughs> I'm just going to sit and watch that on endless loop for 24 hours. There you go.
4: Yeah, it's. Yeah. Oh, he actually. I think he can over. He can hear me from the other room. He just texted me saying that he uh, will not go see the Fantastic Four.
2: <laughs> Good he for will him. Not
4: go. He is not going to that movie.
2: Tell him I'll believe it when it actually happens. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So that's let's talk about that. Very positive. <laughs> it's I, it, had, it had to be said. It had to be said. It's just yeah, it's just awful. We've Look, dan- we've
0: danced around it for a couple of months now.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, I I I can totally understand, like, um, uh, Kate Mara and you know Michael B. Jordan. They're not going to say like, "Oh, the movie we're doing is shit." You know, like <laughs> you're going to hate it. Like they took this job, they obviously believed in what they were doing, so they're they're going to talk positively about it. Of A- course. And like it's funny because you hear about like you hear um Josh Brolin, he talked about working for Marvel and how, as an actor, you're usually ahead of whatever else is doing. You're usually the one who knows everything about the character first, and people, you know, you, you're waiting for people to tell you what to do. He said, with Marvel, you know, uh, they handed me this book like as soon as I took the job, this giant tome that was like, "This is who Thanos is. Read, read all of this. Like, you have to know all of this stuff." So obviously, we hear that and like, they, and they seem to be getting it right. So we're like, oh maybe that's the only way to do it. I don't think like Kate Mara has to read. Every issue of Fantastic Four. Oh, no! To know, yeah. but I'm just saying. Like I think it's. I think it's, and we all think of it. You know, and they should know these characters. They're actors. You know, they are great at playing people. You know, and they play people all the time who have no history other than the thing that they're in, and they do a great layer job. You mm-hmm. know, that's a director's job. That's the writer's job to put in the script. You know what is what needs to be there, and they do research on their own and they do what they need to do. But you know, I, I don't want Kate Mara like doing an impression of of someone else i want her to do her own thing but i i feel like the the way that the, the kind of people behind the m- scenes of, of the movie the way that they've constructed and the way they have kind of put something together i feel like that is where a lot of the animosity is coming from mm-hmm. like I, I like the actors who are in the movie i just don't understand like what's going on behind the scenes but moving on let's talk about some sales numbers for comic books it was a big big uh month yeah the loot crate effect strikes again. Um, Walking Dead issue 132, 326,334 <laughs> copies sold. Nah, not bad. Um, uh, loot crate. So, we're, they're not sure exactly how many loot crate bought. Um, it can be no more than 250,000 copies of, of the book sent out. So, um, it could also be less than that. I mean, mm-hmm. um, well, I think they said Walking Dead sales are usually about seventy thousand, as far as a month to month. So this is the start of a new arc. The show just premiered, so they're figuring there might have been a little bit of a bump. We're probably looking around, I think it was like 200,000 copies of Rocket Raccoon that Loot Crate bought the last time around. They probably have more subscribers now, so that probably seems like a pretty good number. Um, Regardless, though, uh, 326,000 for Walking Dead. Um, Death of Wolverine, number four, uh, was the number two book of the month at 165,000 copies. Um, Thor, number one, uh, 150,000 copies. That's awesome. I I guess putting it on the View worked out pretty it well for them. It did work <laughs> out pretty well for them. A lot of people knew what that book was. <laughs> yeah. um, Death of Wolverine, number three, 141,000. That's pretty amazing. That's a huge jump to four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. That series sold very, very well for them. Um, Avengers and X-Men Axis, number one, 138,000. Wow. Uh, Batman, number 35, 118,000. Um, Amazing Spider-Man, number seven, 116,000. Amazing Spider-Man, number eight, 99 thousand yeah. um you know it's very interesting because it's it's the first i mean thor number one it, it, mm-hmm. thor is not going to stay at those numbers thor is going to dip obviously after it gets yeah. past its number one spider-man is the only is the first marvel regular series to be up there and it's always right there every single month it just proves over and again how he is the, he is the biggest character at the company yes. but he seems to like we seem to we talked about him today, but he seems to be the le- less talked about than some of the other like characters. We talk about we talk about the Avengers way more than we talk about him. As far as like you know the things that th- push the company forward, we talk about Wolverine a lot more. Mm-hmm. But Spider Man is selling you know two hundred thousand books every single month, which yeah, is I mean, crazy.
0: I mean, what's going on in Spider Man right now is huge. It is like it's it's you know spanned out to so many other titles. Mm-hmm. There's you know Spider Verse stuff everywhere. Uh, but if with that said it still manages to feel like its own little corner of the marvel u doing its own little thing Mm -hmm. you know like it's it's remained contained
2: yeah even though it's everywhere it feels at least to me it does absolutely no i agree with you um harley quinn annual uh was the number nine book of the month uh selling ninety seven thousand copies at 599 so that was pretty big
3: a lot of people with books that
2: smell like kitty litter in
3: their, in their long boxes.
2: I, it's pretty, I, I'll have to say to you, I, I knew that the Harley Quinn book was going to be popular, mm-hmm. but this is far exceeded yeah. what I ever I thought the book was going to do. I, I thought it was going to be a very good, well-selling book. Right. But not this. 40, 50 would have yeah, been a Yeah, exactly. Not number, in the yeah. 80s and the 90s every month.
0: If people are actually looking to jump onto it, uh, Amazon has the hardcover containing the zero issue and one through eight for
2: $12. Oh wow. Yeah. I picked that up. Um, let's see what we got here. Um, the next two Avengers and X-Men access books at 87 and 84,000 um out there. I, I you know, it, obviously it's a pretty big jump from 1 to 2 for yeah. those, but I think the 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 promising numbers for them is that it's a very small depreciation two from to two three. to two to three. So it seems like that will probably be the numbers where they kind of hit mm-hmm. for a little while. Which I mean, they're going to be very happy with three books a month. That's till eighty-seven thousand. Yeah, they'll be very very happy. Um, Justice League uh, thirty-five and thirty-four uh, are seventy-five thousand a piece. Um, Captain America, the last issue of uh, that the Steve Rogers as Captain America run seventy-four thousand. Um, Death of, Death of Wolverine The Logan Legacy at number 15 with 71,000 and you can see Walking Dead number 133 which is the one after it is at 70, about 70,000 copies so um, you can kind of tell where that's going to be but that's a pretty big month for Walking Dead <laughs> 400,000 comics sold Um, Bob you had some, big, some debuts that you wanted to talk sure, about uh, Yeah,
3: number 18 Witches mm-hmm. 67,000 Copies, yeah, nice on an image. Create our own mm-hmm. book. I'm well. It's Scott Snyder. How but many of those are big, Batman though. people? Yeah. But I don't care how you slice that the book. Is so frightening. Yeah, uh, right underneath it on the charts, Batgirl thirty five at sixty two thousand, up eighty one percent from the previous month. Mm-hmm. Sabrina: The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina forty nine thousand copies. Hey, coming off of Afterlife with Archie. It's
2: very good. That's yeah. bigger than I really thought it was going to be. Um, I will say that. I mean, it probably dipped quick, but just in the it's. You can see how the Guardians, and you can already tell by what Marvel's doing, they're starting to, there's so many Guardians books are going to be around in the next year, but Guardians 3000, which is the um, the Dan Abnett book, um, right? Abnett, right? Yeah. One mm-hmm. of the two. Yeah, yeah Dan Abnett. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like the old Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians 3000, number one issue, 58,000
3: copies. Yeah. That oh, Rocket what? Raccoon's still at 57. Yeah. Rocket Raccoon's still doing very well. Uh Gotham Academy, 43000 mm-hmm. Not so bad. I mean, it, Batgirl was going to sell more because it was still Batgirl. Mm-hmm. This is something outside the superhero universe aimed at a completely different marketplace. And as Mara said before, what are the digital numbers on Gotham Academy? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, does that push this to 70 more? You know, when we were at, at New York Comic Con and you, you heard Axel Alonzo talking about Ms. Marvel sales being historic digitally. I'm sure this is that same, absolute same marketplace. So I, it Could it even double? Maybe. Hmm. Actually, speaking of Ms. Marvel, is the number one trade.
2: Yeah, I saw that 9,000, I think yeah. it was. 9,
4: Yay! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so happy.
3: And that book is still at 32,000 after all these months, so you're still looking at a real solid success there. Such a great book.
0: The team-up stuff with her and Spider-Man and Wolverine yeah. has been fantastic.
3: And yeah. now Lockjaw. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can I keep him? He followed me home. <laughs> <laughs> Why
0: does he have a tuning fork on his head?
3: <laughs> that's how he transports. Oh, I know that. I was that was one of the oh. lines on the book. Oh,
4: <laughs> that's the question that we all ask when we see him, anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah, they asked Jack Kirby that. Uh, interestingly, Catwoman went up ten percent itself to twenty five thousand, so the new direction seemed to help that. He, there are a couple as a that I'm interested in just to see what will happen next month. One is the number 75 book on the charts, Wonder Woman 35, which is the last, Azarello Chang, mm-hmm. which was marginally up half a percent, but that's at 35,000 copies, which is basically where it was when it relaunched three years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. We'll see, is is 36 a rise and then 37 a fall? Is it status quo? Is it a different 36,000? That's going to be interesting. I
2: think. I think number 36, you're going to see a big bump. I think you're going to see a huge bump because... Mm-hmm. Every, it's been highly publicized. Everyone knows it's a new team. The movie was just officially mm. announced. The third, it'll have a bump. What happens after that? No idea. I think eventually you see it probably go back to this number. This seems to be the number in which One Woman sells. Right? Yeah. We've seen it, it's proven out yeah, uh, after a couple of years of depreciation from the new 52 bump. But I, I think you're going to see a big jolt at first i mean i'm gonna buy it and i haven't bought one room in in how many and how many years so
3: i I have to buy one to avoid the criticism (laughs) i have to have one so i can say look i read this and that's Mm. why i'm saying what i'm gonna say but i think it's interesting there might be a hundred thousand very different wonder woman readers Mm -hmm. of books not counting fans of the character and all the rest of it and is the old 52, 35,000 different than the new fifty two version? Different than the thirty five thousand that will buy this new one? And yeah. could you find a book that will sell to all of them? Meanwhile, sensation, which is amazing, mm-hmm. it's sensational. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, is selling I'm it as well. is selling you know. Fifteen, eighteen, nineteen thousand, and then whatever it sells digitally. I mean, digitally. But that's the
2: thing about it. I think that book probably makes them money, makes them a good amount of money. The fact that it's it's selling fifteen or eighteen thousand in print after it's already been out digitally, I think is a very good sign for that yeah. book. I mean, mm-hmm. one of their biggest hits is Injustice, and that sells about eighteen thousand copies. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, when it comes out in print. So I think that that's a good sign for them. And I think you're right. I think it's. I think most people probably reading One Room and Now probably weren't reading it three years ago, um, and this new thing, you know, that's the thing about this, too, right? Because Cliff Chang and Brian Azarello have been doing it for three years. So they have developed and curated their own set of One Roman fans. There are people who like it because it's Brian Azarello and they follow th- that creator. But they've also cultivated a group of who probably never read Wonder Woman before, but their version of it. Now, whatever this David Finch and Meredith Finch version is going to be, um, whether it's going... It's not going to be like the version in that, no, no matter what it is. No matter if it goes in direction you want Bob or direction you don't want or direction we want or whatever it is, it's going to be way different. So I don't know how they're going to react to this new yeah. Wonder Woman. Uh, there could
3: be two sets of people with outrage. There yeah, could be Diaz <laughs> people and my group and Mara's group yeah. and we'll all, we'll all pick it. Yeah. I well, mean, because the people who who like
2: that Azrael Chang, Wonder Woman, love that that yeah. book. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm very interested to see what happens. I mean, Mara, what are you thinking about the Wonder Woman that's coming out today?
4: Um, I can't remember if it was Bob or Carolyn that sent me the email about Meredith, Meredith Finch not reading any previous Wonder Woman.
3: That was Carolyn. Yeah. That was
4: Carolyn. Yeah. yeah. That's That's a red flag to me. If you're going to write a superhero who is over 70 years old, and not read anything but the just just the previous run, then yeah, I have no idea what's going to come out. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, she I'll buy it.
2: <laughs> interview went out, came out today, I believe. Uh, I think it was Newsarama where she, you know, she obviously backtracked on what uh, David had said earlier and mm-hmm. talked about her as a feminist icon. And all this stuff. Uh, she's, and the interview is really good. I recommend people read it if, if they get the chance. It was a good interview. Um, yeah, I don't know what to think about the new one at all. Yeah. We'll at talk all. about
4: it on Misfits, though. Yes, we will. The next topic, Wonder <laughs> Woman.
2: We'll have to see what happens with that. I'm interested. I mean, at least I'm going to buy it. So we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> any other any other sales stuff, Bob, that you, that you saw um, that was
3: interesting to you? Well, X Factor picked up 7% <laughs> just in time for it to be canceled. <laughs> uh-huh. Actually, the other thing I want to talk about—you talked about movies—was the Captain Marvel hmm. uh, issue eight, which was it's at its twenty, where it always seems to be. And I don't know what the digital sales are. Someday we'll we'll hack into those numbers. I'd like to see what number nine is, which was sort of a, a jumping on point you could start, and mm-hmm. the movie announcement just preceded it. So we'll see what those numbers do for that.
2: Yeah. Um. And uh, She Hulk, I believe, is at twenty one thousand. Obviously, yep. just canceled as well. Um, and the trade sales were at about three thousand for for the month. So not, you know, burning up the charts uh, on there yeah. either. Um, but obviously, like I said, it was a twelve issue arc, and they didn't give it to anyone else. I mean, Ms. Marvel, we said volume one, no normal. Um, it's at seven thousand seventy seven. 100 uh on sales yeah. for that um hawkeye volume three la woman was the number two but very close in sales on that same number uh, batman volume four uh zero year secret city uh 7500 east of west volume three and then batman volume five southern bastards uh volume one wow um at 6400 right. it's a great book yeah harley quinn um hardcover as we were talking about uh at 5600 um amazing Spider-Man volume 1, Parker Luck at uh 5000 Moon Knight. Uh volume 1 from the dead Ooh. about 5000 right there tied with Batman Death of the Family book and Joker Mask, which came out. Which is like oh. the fifth time that book has been uh <laughs> uh sorry, no, that's number 10. Just the the way that it was put together is very strange. Um yeah. And uh Nailbiter volume one managed to get in at uh, number eleven yes. at forty three hundred. But did, did you read the newest issue of Nailbiter? I haven't yet, no. Very well. The one guest starring by Michael Bendis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I think is very funny. Doesn't go the way you think it would. <laughs> um but yeah, so it was a big, big uh month for, for comic books. Um let's see here. There here are the those numbers. Um so the vital statistics as denoted by Comicron. Um the top 300 comic books sold 8.41 million copies up 8% versus same month, the previous year up 36% versus the same month, five years ago, um, up 42% from 10 years and 30% up from 15 years ago. So up, no matter what, how you, how you'd slice it is yeah. up. Um, category to date for year 69.17 million copies sold though it is down three per- that is down three percent from last year we had a couple really bad months um in the past couple months yeah. um all comics sold by diamond in units is up 10.14 um from the same month uh the previous year um top 300 comics had a sales worth of 31.94 million which is obviously up 10% from the same month the previous year, which is the only one that really matters because all the other ones, the t- prices are so different because it's up yeah. 87% from 10 years ago. In dollars. <laughs> in in dollars. Yeah. dollars. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's tw- $262.38 million made so far. Um, Trey backs made $8.82 million, which is up again from the, all the previous years in the last 15 years um and that's a 73.51 million dollars um so far this year interesting to hear because you can you can kind of see why we always talk about why don't they don't go trade only but the 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 paper the monthly issues you know quadruple the the sales of of in in dollars Mm -hmm. um so yeah so and as far as uh Market share goes unit share Marvel was thirty six percent, so DC's thirty one percent, with image at twelve point two eight, um dollar share Marvel thirty four percent, DC twenty seven percent, image nine percent, IDW five percent, Dark Horse four percent, dynamite two, boom about two as well.
3: Um The Indies, the non big two are making inroads. Yes. It's all it's down to sixty one percent for the big two now. Yeah. Which, Which was seventy five percent. If you went back, probably five years.
2: Yeah, so definitely, definitely the 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 the, the playing field is evening out for sure. On <laughs> Coming up yeah. behind you. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, was
3: that your Victor von Dumashev impression? No, I could do a much better one than that. Okay. I, I will yeah.
0: have got auto. I'll Bob, have Bobby auto tune me
2: of the famous <laughs> Victor von Dumashev. Yes, the famous hacker. I and... imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's asthma. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being very, uh,
0: very stereotypical right now.
2: Yeah, but so are they. So it's okay. Yeah.
0: Pigeonholing.
2: You can't pigeonhole Doctor Doom. <laughs> you can't pigeonhole Doctor Dumashev. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Take out the garbage first.
2: <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, I'm going like, to read a couple questions off um, uh, on. Uh from the forums here Okay um, This is from Tony And he says Jeff Lemire is going to be At Image Expo I'd like very much To read through something Of his and bring it along But mm-hmm. my only experience With his work Is his self drawn stuff Like Trillium And although I totally Understand why people Dig his writing His art is a major Speed bump for me I simply cannot stand it That being the case <laughs> What would you put In my hands uh, Of his as Here this is what He can really do This is awesome Also this is drawn By someone else entirely I will tell you uh, Yeah see, We'll go to you next And I okay. think you're Going to share the same Sentiment I do uh, Yes If you want to see What Jeff Lemire can do entirely then nothing that he has just written is going to give that to you. Um, okay. the, uh, read The Underwater Welder or read Essex County. Those are the two things I'd say um, as far as easily digest... Like, Sweet Tooth is amazing, but, but Sweet Tooth is like a sprawling, huge... But he
0: doesn't like the art.
2: I know, I'm just saying. If okay. you want to see what he can do entirely, those are the two biggest examples of why people love right. his work. Um, if we're not talking about stuff that he has drawn, I would say Animal Man is the thing I would point to the most. Yep. Yeah.
0: That's my, that's where I weigh in as well.
2: Yeah, Animal Man, Animal Man is great. As great as Animal Man is, it's not as great as other things. You know, that's the thing about it. Yeah. Green Arrow is also very good. Um, the ARP Andre Sorrentino is fantastic. Um, but those are the things I would say. I mean, I, I can understand if you're looking for realistic-looking stuff why you have a problem with the way the stuff looks. But if you like his writing and you haven't read Essex County – um. Then you need to read Essex County because it's. You have to think of it as more like an impressionist painting mm-hmm. than you can think of it as looking for realism in the way the stuff looks. Right. Um. Uh, you know that's the thing. I mean, I. I don't. I. I. I his other stuff that like the team books stuff he's written I haven't really loved so. Um. I can't really recommend those. Uh, Mar, have you read any H. F. Lemire stuff?
4: I would have recommended Underwater Welder if the person didn't have a problem with the art, but never mind.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right, let's see here. What else we got? Um, I had another one here. I have to cut this down so I don't sound like an idiot. Um, (laughs) um, Let's think about this one. This is from AngelCakes83 uh, on the forum. I'm planning next semester a superhero-themed English Comp 2 class writing and research next semester with a focus on superheroes as modern mythology, Mm. um, where ethics and human identity are explored through stories. I can't really have them read a lot of fiction in class, but I do want to give them options of comic runs and graphic novels they can choose from to read on their own time and spur research papers. So to shamelessly have other people write my lesson plans for me, what do you think I should include in a list of suggestions of comic runs, comic runs and or graphic novels that are both fairly accessible to mostly non-comic readers and ethically complicated enough to give them material to write about? I'm already planning to show them the Iron Man film, to show them clips of the many film, TV iterations of Superman, and to show them a Buffy episode. Good start.
4: Well, like, so what's the subject again? Mythology?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's um, an English Comp 2 class uh, with the focus on superheroes as modern mythology.
4: Okay, as modern mythology. Okay. Yes.
2: Um, where ethics and human identity are explored through stories. So,
3: mm-hmm. Bob, you have anything? You- I would, look, everyone's going to say Watchmen and so on and so forth. I would, Marvels would be something I would mm. suggest r- right off the bat. Marvels is awesome. You know, Kingdom Come is a little very superhero centric, and you have to really know the continuity, but still also very good. Watchmen, certainly. Astro City? Mm-hmm. Go back to the originals on that. Mm-hmm. Be very, very good. <laughs> go ahead. Come. Go back around <laughs> yeah. to me. I'll delimit uh, it. Yeah, yeah the there you movement. go. That'd be great. All right, one for Steve. <laughs> yeah, great choice.
2: Um, Superman Birthright? Um, yep. Mark Wade. Oh, um, I was going to say that I stole it Mara well I have another
4: <laughs> one okay.
2: it's a. it deals very much with not only who Superman is and who Lex Luthor is but also the way they deal in a, in the modern context of, of what the, the power set means and what how everything goes. I think also in the Superman vein, also Red Sun, I think is interesting as well because mm-hmm. it deals with the idea of nature versus nurture and uh, and stuff like that um, and switching the two people and seeing how they both kind of come out uh, in raised in different cultures. Uh, Mara, what did you have?
4: Um, as far as superheroes as modern mythology, when I think of mythology, I think of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking, what is, and Bob could probably help me out with this one, what is the the collected trade that has the story of Diana um, breaking Max Lord's neck? Is it missions end or is it uh, probably
3: would be missions end because that was the end of the is that was zero hour?
4: Okay, uh,
2: yeah, that was coming up to identity, identity crisis. crisis
3: identity right? crisis. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: So going into kind of how our heroes are also held accountable for their actions, I think that would be a, a good example of. Um, exploring the modern myth
2: through that. Interesting.
3: Very interesting. On the Wonder Woman thing, I would add the, it was a graphic novel one shot, Amazonia. Uh, Phil Winslet did the art as a set of woodcuts and it was William Messner Loeb's set in a, it's an Elseworlds set in Victorian London Mm -hmm. and it flashes back and forth through time and the oppression of women and you get into the, lots of royal stuff and some surprises about the connections there. Mm Mm-hmm. All right,
2: cool. I mean, I think also. I mean, I mean, looking at. I don't know how like far back you want to take them, and because they, they are students, and I think giving mm-hmm. them original comic book runs, Stanley Jackery is yeah. might be t- a little I tough agree. for them to, to take. Um, you know, so maybe finding the more kind of updated versions of those mm-hmm. stories, or All whatever right, you want maybe. to do. Someone who's done, a, I, um, just because of the audience you're going for. But I think that very much, I think we talked about Spider Man a lot in that Spider Man versus Batman thing we talked about. But his sort of speaking of cause and effect the reasons why he does what he does and, and kind of this life of attrition that he's living for for the mistake that he made i think is interesting in, in in a giant sweeping motion so i don't know what you can find to encapsulate that in a short period of time but I, um i mean i will always recommend spider-man blue to to anyone because yeah. that deals very much in all of his losses and all of that and it's very much
3: cause and effect Look, the first story in Amazing Fantasy fifteen is probably eight pages.
2: It's true, and it's great. It's still yeah. really great. I mean, I read it last year, and and, and it's still a great read. Um, but he, he's a definitely a character that I think works very well in, in that thing. And I mean, I would look at the the ideas in um. I mean, you mentioned a little bit of uh, like the uh, Green Lantern Rebirth and stuff like that. But that deals, the DC characters are very good for the for the mythological aspects because they are giant myths within themselves but there's but the agreement the rebirth it deals in a lot of interesting method- the, the 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 idea of rebirth itself the idea of coming back and, and all that stuff is, is a very interesting mode of that as well
4: i would also say um looking into union archetypes and how those play out okay um and that you know like the hero's journey and mm-hmm. um the role of the sidekick things like that that might hmm. open some some avenues for exploring uh, superhero comics that may not have initially been thought of as modern myths. Mm. Um,
0: yeah, I really want to say Jason Aaron's Thor run. Mm. Just, I mean, if you're going with with modern day mythology, you're dealing with you know three separate periods in Thor's life, lifeline or lifetime, all coming into one book. And, you know, dealing with fallout and repercussions and stuff. I don't know if I'm hitting the mark exactly, but um, if you're looking for superhero style stuff, as far as cause and effect, that entire story is cause and effect.
2: Yeah. And and Mara, what you were saying too about the the sidekick sidekick thing, I think is a really good avenue to go down. I didn't even think of that. Um, Using those characters, that very much do follow the hero's journey almost identically. Um mm-hmm. to what Campbell wrote, so I think that yeah, going for. I mean, I don't know. Uh, there's probably Teen Titan stuff you can check out. Some of those Robin miniseries probably work mm-hmm. very well as well. But even
4: Young Avengers, Young Avengers, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, Young Avengers is great actually, and you wouldn't even think of it because it's so modern feeling. But yeah, absolutely. Wow, yeah, great question. Great, great question. Thank mm-hmm. you very, very much. Um, so this is um at Nerds with Kids on Twitter. It says, "Do you feel?" Uh, the massive influx of Marvel movies helps or hurts comic book sales. I'm so, uh, thinking about it a lot. Mara, what do you think?
4: Oh, I have no idea. I don't pay attention to the numbers as much as you guys. <laughs> but I will say, um, I feel like the movies are seeping into my comics a lot more. Um, like that stupid line that Black Widow says in Avengers, you know, that I've got right in my leisure, I've got to wipe it out. Like, I feel like that's all over. I mean, maybe it was there before and I just never noticed it until she said it um but so i don't know if it's affecting the sales but i know it's affecting the content
2: i I just agree that line is stupid by the way (laughs) i love (laughs) that line
4: (laughs) i mean i would be okay if it was just that line and people left it alone
3: yeah
4: but the fact that it's been like hammered over and over and Mm. over again Mm. (sighs) that bothers me
3: what do you think about the cause and effect based on what i've spoken to local comic book store owners it's temporary Mm. there are people who are attracted to the stores and they'll put books in on on hold for a while and then disappear after a while i think though if you throw enough crap at the wall eventually some of it sticks so there are people who are going to stay and so down the road we'll get to see it i we may be 10 15 years out to see the final as final numbers as to where this will go back to will it ever go back to the old days no Mm
1: -hmm.
3: i think it's helping you start to add these TV shows into it; it is more a part of regular American viewing habits than it ever was before. And some of these folks are going to start to buy books again. Mm-hmm. I I have faith in that. It's a great medium that people have neglected for way too long. Yeah, um,
0: Steve. I see it. I mean, I think it's. I think ultimately it's helping because I try to picture a place like Barnes and Noble. And, you know, you're in Barnes and Noble, you're doing your thing, you're going to the YA section or whatever, and you pass their graphic novel section, and you had just come over from, you just left the AMC theater, and you saw a trailer for Age of Ultron, or you went to go see Big Hero 6, or Mm -hmm. whatever, Captain America 2, and now you're walking past and you see, you know, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Brubaker, Mm -hmm. yada yada, where in a in a time where you would have just it wouldn't even have caught your peripheral vision and you would have just walked right past it now that you saw it in the corner of your eye you stop and you go over and you pick it up and you look at it because hey i just saw this what does it look like on comic book page and curiosity wins out and you know you go to check it out um but then there's the other half where people perhaps that like that kind of superhero information through their movies and don't necessarily need them in comics uh, it could also be that people feel with all these movies flooding the market that they're getting more than enough of these comic book heroes. They don't need to, you know, investigate the books because there's just going to be another Marvel movie, you know, at least two or three of them within the next year. So why bother? Um, but ultimately, I think it's helping because I think, if anything, it's putting these characters and this brand in the spotlight more so than it's ever been because the theater audiences are so large that, you know, your grandparents know who Captain America and who Thor is in at least some kind of detail Mm -hmm. now. Or even your kids. You know, your kids know who they are because of the Avengers movies and because of all the stuff at the schools and whatever. And it's cool to like comics again. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're now part of this group of people that are into all these fantastic stories and all these creators and it's its own little, you know, corner of the entertainment universe that it's like accepted now to be, you know, to be a part of, you mention a book that you read that's got like, you know, you mentioned Rat Queens, all of a sudden you've got droves upon droves or the Carol Corps. And, you know, you just put something like that up on the internet. Oh, I just read Captain Marvel and people you don't even know will flock to weigh in on your enthusiasm and be like,
4: yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah.
0: So yeah, I think it's, I think it's helping.
4: Um, Another thing, I guess I forgot to mention the the area I live in um, is near Walmart home office. So we have like the cleanest, nicest Walmarts in the country (laughs) and it's awesome. Um, But there's always people in business clothes, like arranging things, trying to figure out, taking pictures of displays. And one thing I noticed, and I don't know if it's in other Walmarts, but over by school supplies, when you first walk in, is a tower of graphic novels for Mm. upcoming Marvel movies. Mm. So they had, or, you know, Marvel movies that are popular. So they had, um, like, the first five issues of Guardians of the Galaxy collected in a trade for $5. Hmm. Right there next to, like, all the school supplies. They had um, Hmm. a Spider-Man one. They had a Winter Soldier one. Um, They had part of an X-Men one. I don't remember which run it was. But they had all these, like, super cheap cheaply made Marvel graphic novels that tied in with the movies right next cool. to school supplies in September. Brilliant idea. So it's it pretty awesome. So, at least there's there's some effort being made in at least one Walmart.
0: Yeah. Um there's also now um when I went to into the city uh, last weekend Penn Station inside of the like the newsy stands mm. where they sell the popcorn and the beer, um all the magazines, they now have a rack dedicated to DC titles. Mm. So there's like a little mini DC comic book shop inside of, you know, the various places in Penn Station.
2: Yeah. I mean, I also think that like Bob was saying before too, it's we're never going to know until they release the numbers digitally because I feel like most people who, who are casually going to these movies who want to know more about these characters, they're going to buy the stuff on a, on their iPad. You know, they're not going to go to a comic book store to buy it because they probably don't know where one is. (laughs) And, 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 and so they're going to go on their iPad and they're going to go, okay, well let me buy Thor one through five and then I'll read them and see what I think of them. And either they yeah. get really confused or they, they really like it or whatever it is. So I don't think you, I don't think you're going to know w- w- if that stuff. I, I think that, but I, I also think it, we as comic book fans want it to happen because we want the numbers to go up. We want to make sure that the industry is healthy. But look, here's the here's the deal: it could be comic books, it could be novels. Some people just watch the Harry Potter movies and they don't read the books. You right. know, it, some people just watch Lord of the Rings; they don't read the books. You know, you know, Hunger Games, whatever it might be. Some people just prefer watching things to reading things, whether they have pictures or not. And it, the we I don't like to think of the movies as advertisements solely for people to come read something else you know and, and so i feel like people who want to read and want to know more they'll always want to know more and they'll always want to read and the people who just want to watch are just going to want to watch they're not magically going to go oh i like iron man in this movie so i want to go read something about him and that, some yeah. people just aren't built that way i think the majority of people aren't built that way the majority of people watch and they go oh i can't wait to watch another thing with iron man in it like that's what they say to themselves and that's also fine like i don't read everything that all the stuff i watch is based on you know, so I, I think it's totally yeah. fine. Um, that's gonna that's gonna do it for the questions for for this. We have some more questions set up, and we'll definitely get to them in, in the in the coming weeks. Um, but we need to talk about what's on the shelves right now. Ooh. From Avatar Press, we have Cross Badlands number sixty six, Dick's End of Time number six, George R. <laughs> R R Martin's In the House of the Worm number four, and God Is Dead number twenty
3: four. He's just hiding. <laughs>
2: I'm um, from Do- Boom Studios. We've got a bravest warriors, paralyzed horse giant number one. <laughs> um, Clive Barker's Hellraiser, uh, Beastery number four. Jim Henson the Storytellers uh, witches number three of four. Sweet. Um, last broadcast number seven of seven. Lumberjanes number eight. Peanuts number twenty three. Regular show number seventeen. Sleepy Hollow number two. Um, Sons of Anarchy number fifteen. Uh. From Dark Horse, we've got uh, BPRD, Hell on Earth, number 125. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season 10, number 9. We've got Criminal Macabre, the Third Child, number 3. Dark Horse Presents, number 4. We've got Predator, Fire and Stone, number 2. Strain, the Night Eternal, number 4. Terminator Salvation, the Final Battle, number 11 of 12. Um, From DC Comics, we've got Astro City, number 17. Batman sixty six meets the Green Hornet number six of six and Batman sixty six the lost episode number it's, one.
3: It's based on a, a pitch a script done by Harlan Ellison for the introduction of Two Face for the television show was never used.
2: Yeah, so Len Wein is writing mm-hmm. the yep. book based on that teleplay, um, and I forgot who the artist is, but it's somebody pretty big. big. I'm drawing the blank. Yeah, too. Alex
3: Ross cover though.
2: Alex Ross cover. Um, it's. Nine ninety nine, which is expensive, but yeah. it also comes with the entire script, right, I believe, right. is included. And some in.
3: extra stuff, storyboards or whatever. Yeah,
2: so that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, sounds like a cool thing. Uh, that we one of the one of the N- NYCC shows uh, has an interview. Justin talks to Len Wein uh, about it. Uh, Batman and Robin number thirty six is out. Uh, Batman Eternal number thirty three. Batman Superman number sixteen. Batwoman number thirty six. We've got Earth 2 World's End number 7, Fables number 146. Um, We've got Harley Quinn number 12, Green Lantern New Guardians number 36, Um, Justice League number 36, Injustice Gods Among Us year 3, number 4, Multiversity Pax Americana number 1. It's the Charlton characters this time around. Yes, it is, yeah. Um, New 52 Features End number 29, Red Hood and the Outlaws number 36 sensation comics featuring wonder woman number four <laughs> supergirl number 36 superman wonder woman number 13 i should mention that because charles Soule is now exclusive to marvel he's re- ending his time on that book and um pete, pete tomasi and doug Mankey are taking over um as the creative team on that book um teen titans number four uh trinity of sin number two and wonder woman number 36 uh Dima Entertainment, Army of Darkness, Ash gets hitched, number four, <laughs> Bob's Burgers, number four, Don Vampirella, number two, Evil Ernie, number two. Um we've got John Carter, Warlord of Mars, number one is out. Uh Magnus Robot Fighter number eight. Uh we've got Solar Man of the Atom number seven. Vampirella Fury Tales number two. It hurt me just to say that. And Terminal Hero, (laughs) number four. From IDW, we've got Cartoon Network, Super Secret, Crisis War, number six of six. Uh, Doberman, number four. Dungeons and Dragons, Legends of Baldur's Gate, number two. Godzilla Cataclysm, number four. Got Last Fall, number three. Max Maximize, number 13. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number 25. Um, We've got October Faction, number two. Um, Rotten Ruin number 3 Star Slammers Remastered number 8 we've got Transformers Primacy number 4 all these weeks away and there's no Transformers no Winter World number 4 from Image Comics we've got American Legends number 3 of 5 Dead at 17 Blasphemy Throne number 4 of 7 Deadly Class number 9 Dream Merchant number 6 of 6 Goners number 2 Intersect number 1 Invincible, number 115. Morning Glories, number 42. Protectors, Inc., number 10. Revival, number 25. Synergy, number one. Thief of Thieves, number 25. Um, We've got Witchblade, number 179. And Zero, number 12. From Marvel Comics, Amazing Spider-Man, number 10. Avengers, number 38. Avengers and X-Men Axis, number 6. Avengers World, number 15. Axis Carnage, number 2 of 3 axis revolutions number two of four (laughs) black widow number 12 daredevil number 10 deadpool number 37 um death uh of wolverine the weapon x program number two of five which is one of like 6,000 death wolverine tie-ins Electra number eight fantastic four number 13 guardians of the galaxy number 21 um let's see here what is next um loki agent of asgard number eight magneto number 12 moon knight number nine um new avengers number 26 powers bureau number 12 punisher number 12 um let's see here um spider woman number one storm number five uncanny x-men number 28 and x horse number 12 from oni press princess ugg number five um from let's see here uh, titan comics doctor who the 12th doctor number two Um, Valiant Entertainment, Punk Mambo, number zero, and EXO Man of War, number 30. And that's what's on the show. That's a big day. This week. (laughs) Steve (laughs) ran out of fingers and toes. I stopped counting. (laughs) (laughs) If you guys want to get in touch with us, it's at Talking Comics on Twitter, podcast at TalkingComics.com, and Facebook.com slash Talking Comics. Make sure you go to TalkingComics.com for all the reviews, columns, um, and great content that goes up from all our awesome contributors, including Miss Marwood, who's on the show with mm-hmm. us this week. Um, Marwood is also on one of our many podcasts, uh, The Misfits, with uh, Stephanie Cook and Melissa Megan, though this week is a little bit of a different cast,
4: correct? Right. We had um, Nikki Alfaro, who is one of the contributors for Talking Comics, and um, we have... Well, we, we kind of like to... In- include some of our fans on the show every once in a while. And one of them wanted to be on Sailor Moon, and she had a lot of Sailor Moon knowledge, so we let her on, and her name is Maria Norris.
0: <laughs> My entire Twitter feed, ever since that episode got recorded, has been nothing but Sailor Moon stuff. <laughs> That's
4: because it's so exciting. Sailor hey, Moon I'm is... not knocking it. I'm sure it's awesome. God, Sailor Moon is so awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so this week's episode, obviously, about Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You guys have a Wonder Woman episode coming up, correct? Yes. And uh, Mr. Bob Reier is going to be on that episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can reveal. <laughs> <The secret. laughs> so make sure you guys uh, take a listen to that. Um, we also, of course, have Talking Games, hosted by our very own Steve Say. Hands um, up.
0: Yes. Announcement. Yes. Um, for people that listen to the show, uh, you've been noticing that we've been actually rotating oh, our okay. hosts. So we've had Mr. Rob Newmeyer host a show uh justin has hosted a show and uh this week it was jackie turner is oh, hosting look out show. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh boy and then uh and then i'll be back on hosting duties the following week all right what and are you guys talking about this week this week we're having like a games cavalcade because this month in particular these past two weeks they you know the gaming industry decided just to dump everything on you all at once We've been finagling things with Target, buying games that we didn't even play. I went in today to trade in a game that I bought last week (laughs) and purposefully did not open so that I could grab Far Cry 4 and Never Alone. And we're basically we're going to be playing catch up and and kind of edging ourselves into our end of the year awards, which cool. will be uh, recorded very soon, probably um, in the beginning or middle of uh, December.
3: Awesome! I may have to crash this party tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: this... See, see Jackie host a podcast,
0: yeah, yeah. I got
3: to watch this one.
2: <laughs> um, and uh, make sure you guys check out Talking Valiant, obviously, with Adam mm-hmm. Shaw, um, and uh, Talking Movies with uh, Brian Verderosa and uh, soon to be Chris Oliphant again. But Chris j- just moved to Florida. Oh. So they're setting up like a you know, kind of a by phone oh. thing, but he's been, rota- been rotating cast members. They've been doing a David Lynch um, section. So oh, my they God. did. Um, did Karen guest on that? No, they did, Blue, she should. they did Blue Velvet, and then they just did and Drive.
3: Oh, they have to, oh, they yeah. gotta do a racerhead so they can explain it to me because I'm yeah. still not sure what I, that I, I gotta listen is to
2: the one about Mulholland Drive so they can explain it to me. <laughs> uh, Karen wrote a whole thing on it. Yeah. <laughs> she, it's she's like crazy. seven pages. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that movie is crazy. And Dave, it's a great topic. It's a He's a very good director for a podcast forum because there's a lot to talk about when yeah. it comes to his stuff. It's not like, oh, I thought it was good. <laughs> Are you excited yeah. for the Twin Peaks revival? I have n- never seen Twin Peaks. Oh, boy. Oh. I've seen some of it. I uh, haven't seen it either. It's okay. Yeah. Thank you, Mara. <laughs> um, and I, I've i seen some, of because Karen rewatched it like uh, like earlier this year, but I didn't really see everything. I saw the first couple episodes and then it was kind of in and out. It doesn't even matter because I feel like watching it out of order and in random spurts is just as easy to digest yes. as if you watch it all the way through. <laughs> I feel like if I watch it in like random spurts, maybe I'll get like the weird David Lynch language that he's trying to give to you. It's good so point. Good. Uh, it's so bizarre. way his so brain good. works. Um, I, I I saw Mulholland Drive one time 10 years ago or mm-hmm. whenever when it came out or I think it was even before that I think it was 2001 that it came out or mm-hmm. whatever 13 years ago I still have two images burned in my brain one the little old people calling at the door which yep. still scares the hell out of me when I think about <laughs> yep. it and the second time the guy goes behind the dumpster mm-hmm. and that like horrible homeless man or yep. woman or whatever it is, is behind the dumpster. <laughs> those two images are still burned into my brain. I saw them we once 13 years ago. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah. Wait, if
0: you ever make it to the end of twin peaks, there will definitely be more than a few images that are burned
2: into your yeah. brain. So it's a very interesting thing. Check out those shows. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us personally, I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter, Steve,
0: uh, I am at dead underscore anchor on
2: Twitter, Mara.
4: At Mega Maramon.
2: <laughs> I appreciate it, even though you're sick, you're doing the voice. Yes, Thank you very, made very it much. Made it better. Made it, it better. It's it, true, it made it more gravelly. I think Hugh said it's a Mega Maramon marathon going it's, on right it's,
4: now. <laughs> uh, Mega Marathon. Wait, Mega Mara Marathonamon. <laughs> <laughs> I think
2: so. That's that awesome. works.
3: And Bob, your email address? Bob Royer at TalkingComicBooks.com
2: um, So that's going to do it for the show, guys. Thank you again so much for listening to the the shows in the middle. Um, if you guys haven't checked out the, the Hellboy Book Club yet, because you feel like maybe you couldn't listen to it because you haven't read it, I say still listen to it, and I think it'll make you want to read it. So check that out. Thank you guys so much for still interacting, and um everyone's obviously thank you so much for all the the congratulations and the well wishes and um it it was really really great thank you everyone suggested things in San francisco for karen and i do it was really really great um but we're back regularly scheduled now (laughs) um yeah so we'll be back next week too and we're coming up to our end of the year awards too so if you guys have any ideas send some emails in and jog our memories about some books we might have forgotten we're definitely gonna need it um but yeah that's gonna do it for this week's show so for steve uh, bob's interrupting me
3: (laughs) of course i am we have one more thanks Sammy Castle. Oh, yes, absolutely. I almost forgot. Uh, who, great fan and listener, and sent a lovely care package to he all did. of us filled with personally selected goodies mm-hmm. of all sorts. I've got a... The goodies they were. Yes, uh, Steve's holding in his hands a l- complete set of Marvel trading cards in pristine mint condition. Yeah. The first series of yep. Marvel trading yes. cards. I,
0: uh, as Sammy knows, I had, a, I had a thing for these cards growing up, and uh, I had this series at one point, and then, unfortunately, lost it in a uh, garage sale. Mm-hmm. So that I was not aware that yeah, it was part of. Lost it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so to have these back and to have them be in such pristine condition, um, I am going to get a binder with the card pages and display these in order as nicely as I as I can. And uh, just thank you so so much for and along with everything else you sent as well. But these this is definitely the gem of my little pile and uh i really really appreciate it man thank you so much
2: it's so, the, the, the card you have on top there yeah the black spider-man card uh another huge memory of mine was that i think it's number is it number two is it number eight
0: is two it's two wow. okay wow. <laughs>
2: okay <laughs> um i so remember because i had the whole set and had it all laid out in the binder, mm-hmm. but you know, you leave a hole for the order of the yeah. card that's supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. And that card was the card I was missing. And no one I knew had the card. There was no, I couldn't trade with anyone. And I still remember the day on the um, on the bus opening up the pack of Marvel cards I got from the Ben Franklins that day, <laughs> and getting that card and like being so excited and so happy that I had the Black Spider Man card. Nice. Um, and I always, I always remember too looking at the Spider Man card. And I think it's the same with the Black Spider Man card, but you know, on all the cards that lists like their their enemies, yeah. And everyone has like three or four enemies, and the Spider Man card, it's like it takes up the entire like back half of the card <laughs> is his enemies. I always thought that was so cool that he had all of these people who just couldn't stand him. I thought that always that was like that was great.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're really arch uh, arch enemies: Doctor Octopus, Al Goblin, Kingpin, Venom goes on. Yeah, it's a
2: huge, huge list. Everyone else has like, you know, three. Yeah, it's yeah. like Captain America, it's like Baron Zemo, the Red Skull, oh. you know, and then for all the, all the rest, it's, it's just great, but yeah, those cards are amazing, and I, I, I love those, and I was, I remember being disappointed by the second series, yeah. because they looked more like baseball cards. Like, I didn't like, that they, they didn't feel as, I don't know, like,
3: yeah. Yeah. comic book no, was It was yeah.
0: these, and it was the Marvel Masterpiece series. Mm. The Marvel Masterpiece, some of those cards still I I could see them in my mind's eye they're incredible that was the painted set? yeah they've got them at tour they have them in like a long box Mm. Um, but they're not numbered and they're not complete Mm. so you could go you know sifting through them to find which ones you want
2: but
1: uh, it
0: feels dirty to me yeah absolutely yeah yeah.
2: Um, alright so that's gonna do it for the show for Steve it's gonna be back Bob I was gonna say that and Mara
4: y'all took my phrase
2: (laughs) (laughs) I have been Bobby until next time on Talking Comics to be continued...